everyone. Welcome to the PC Perspective Podcast. This is episode 581 being recorded Wednesday, April 8th, 2020. I'm Jim Tannis. I'm Jeremy Holstrom. I'm Josh Walrath. I'm Sebastian Peake. And I'm Brett Van Spruenberg. And we're so glad you could join us. Uh, we're sorry about last week. If you're looking at your podcast feed, no, uh, it's not you. It's not an error. We did miss the last week's show, and it's all my fault. I'm so sorry. I had a last-minute issue come up, and uh, we couldn't work around it. So we skipped last week, but we're here back again. And uh, I know that I received at least one message due to the timing of last week's miss uh, because of also what we'll talk about first here, which is the unfortunate end of Twitch this week in computer hardware, the long-running Twit Network show that started with our site's founder and first editor-in-chief, Ryan Shroud, and continued for about three episodes with Alan Malventano, and then, of course, has been uh, <laughs> taken over uh, since then by Sebastian Peake. Uh, so there was... And, and, and I drove it into the ground. Sorry, everybody. Congrats. I, I, uh, Blame that Patrick guy. It's probably his problem. Yeah, there was one constant through most of that show's history. I think it was started with Colleen, uh, but Patrick took over pretty early on, I think. Um, but unfortunately... Leo used to do it with, with uh, Ryan back in the day, back in yeah. like 2008. Mm. Yeah. But unfortunately, yeah, that Josh show... Josh did a few appearances. Yeah, I think I was almost asked to do an appearance, but then they, they got wiser to it. And I think they had Robert Heron on instead that one week. <laughs> this Didn't was right Patrick after I joined. South Dakota? Uh, a while back, didn't he? Yeah. I think it was last November or something like that. Maybe it was earlier this year, anyway. But yeah, he's he passed through Wyoming and told him a couple of places to uh to eat. Yeah, well he's he's got the R V lifestyle going on, so nice. Yeah, I don't think he actually calls any particular state his home these days. He's in the yeah. airstream somewhere in that who knows where he is actually. He could be in Michigan right now for all I know. Well, he's not driving. He's traveling, folks. But uh, uh, we're, we're sorry sure to essential. see. Yeah, right. We're sorry to see uh, that show. And uh, it was unfortunate the way they handled it. We don't have any control over that. I know I, I received some questions about that as well. But it's pretty clear that that was a show wholly owned by Twit. And they they chose the timing and the manner of which to end it, which was basically just to end it. Like no message as far as I saw, no final show. Uh, so that sucks. Um, and, uh, you know, I, for those of you who love Patrick, uh, hopefully you, this will not be the end. He's done a lot of different projects in tech over the years. So hopefully we'll see something else uh, going forward. Uh, and of course, he's always welcome to be a guest on here. Uh, we've made that offer to him. Uh, we can't afford to pay him as like a full-time contributor, but uh, yeah, I'd love to have Patrick on whenever. And, and uh, for those, those Twitch fans, those Patrick fans, uh, be on the lookout. But of course, you can always find Sebastian Peake right here at pcper.com until uh, we suffer the same fate but yeah. hey let's talk about something more uplifting jim yes uh so the the news from last week we, we would have talked about last week was, and so now we're kind of out of date but let's talk about it anyway is of course amd's long-awaited uh, arrival of their ryzen 4000 mobile processors and the way that these things launched is uh in a uh, specific notebook, I think it was the one that got reviewed by everyone who was lucky to get a review sample, and that was the uh, Zephyrus, it's an Asus, Zephyrus G14. It's a 14-inch uh, notebook, and uh, I, I can pull it up right here, and it's not expensive. This is AMD's top-of-the-line 
Ryzen 9 4900HS. This is their 8-core, 16-thread, 45-watt target TDP, although the actually the, the 4900H is the 45-watt. This HS variant is targeted at a 35-watt base TDP. Uh, but in the example notebook here, this Zephyrus, you get this 14-inch uh, notebook in a, in a pretty nice design, and a lot of Asus's gaming notebooks are a little um, aggressive in their designs, turn some people off. Uh, but this is a, a pretty uh, a pretty nice design, and it comes with the new RTX 2060 Max-Q, NVIDIA's uh, new mobile GPU, which we'll be talking about a little later, a one terabyte SSD, which in this case is an Intel 660p, I believe. Uh, and uh, it's a, it's a really nice system, and it's fifteen hundred bucks, fourteen hundred and fifty dollar list price. And as you'll see as we go through some of the reviews here, that 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 when you look at the performance that this product provides against that base price, it's incredible because the systems, the Intel based systems that this thing is beating, are at least fifty percent more in most cases, if not double in some of the configurations. Uh, but uh, we did not get a review sample, unfortunately, and they're not available for sale just yet. They're up for pre-order. Uh, I think they're going to be landing uh, in about a week. Uh, but there are yeah. a number of outlets that did get some uh, some samples. So let's take a look at some of the benchmarks. Uh, we can talk about, uh, or we can look at TechSpot here, first of all. Uh, Sebastian, I know you were kind of following this as it unfolded. Uh, what, what's, uh, what's the story here with this 4900HS? Well, like you said, it's the 35-watt variant. We have not seen the 45-watt numbers yet. And I assume the big difference there is just going to be higher sustained clocks because it's the same chip. It's just hitting that lower power target because it's a smaller form factor device, this uh, Zephyrus laptop. And I believe the Zephyrus laptop, correct me if I'm wrong, this has an RTX 2060 graphics card in it. Yes, it's, it's the 2060 Max Q. have graphics, okay. Yeah. Um, so it... Just the performance, it's, I, I was kind of surprised by a lot of the outlets going with like high-end desktop and rendering like our Cinebench, that sort of thing, which is kind of an unrealistic workload for a laptop. But I guess, I mean, the results speak for themselves. If you're looking at any of these charts where you're looking at multi-threaded uh, performance, especially, it's just staggering. And it's it's either beating or going toe-to-toe with the highest-end Intel mobile part currently available. Uh, we'll talk later about their announcement about the new 10th gen launch for mobile. But right now, like even a i9 9980HK cannot perform as well as this, depending on the workload. So just fantastic. The one bad thing about gaming benchmarks is, and I was looking at like, uh, I don't know, one of the popular reviews for this from PC World, for example, they did a little bit of gaming. It's you're limited by that GPU. So they were they were positioning this against some of the other higher-end laptops that would have a GPU like a 2070 or above. So, but just, just for CPU power alone, if you're talking about, like we're looking at some of these charts right now, just incredible performance on a par with a desktop system. This is an eight-core, 16-thread processor. And I don't know, do you, you guys feel free to chime in here it's just a ding obviously it's like one laptop but ding it's hot stuff i'm chiming yeah no it's uh <clears throat> this is not exactly a second generation of the 3000 series but you have to think that when they were designing this and, and they're really pushing out the desktop stuff and this is nine months later that there was a lot a little bit more tuning going on with uh 
this product than than the original 3000 series that were released back in July. Yeah. And uh, I mean, it, it's not going to be a huge amount, but it is going to be so much work on, uh, you know, the mobile aspects the, you know, how do we, how do we boost this up to pretty good clocks for as long as we can without, you know, hammering thermals too much. And while still keeping base clocks at a reasonable place and, and where we can do all full thread uh, workloads without melting the entire machine. And, you know, it's amazing what um, TSMC 7 nanometer process has, has given AMD at this point. Because, you know, Intel has a lot of really good technology. And their process nodes are, are nothing to, to cough at. But uh, it was... Uh, you know, they just have, AMD has such a leg up in terms of process technology that Intel just cannot match. And I mean, it's, it's a perfect storm for AMD and that they've got now kind of the, the third generation, well, second generation of, of Zen that, you know, they went with chiplets uh, on the desktop and this, it is, you know, an all in one, it's a single big chip with everything in integrated in there. And they've done it all maybe not perfectly, but really stinking good because this is really a David and Goliath. This is where Intel makes a lot of their money. Mobile is still an area that is growth in the PC world. And the margins on these products uh, usually are a little bit better than a lot of the average desktop stuff. So what AMD has done here and you know what Asus has done with the Zephyrus uh, it's really, really dang impressive because it's an overall really well-performing uh, architecture. And in this case, the laptop's pretty stinking good. And at 1500 bucks, you can take, you know, your stimulus check and and almost pay for one of these. So it's, uh, it's a winner all around. Uh, it's, it's exceptionally good for AMD because they're going to get a lot more mobile uh, action and, uh, you know, sell a lot more of these chips and eventually it's going to come to the desktop and it's going to be another solid performer for where they do it. But they're going to get those high margin mobile parts on the market first before they start doing the integrated desktop that'll go anywhere from a hundred bucks to 150 at max. I'm going to take a, a break here. We just need to pause. My wife just called me and she knows I'm recording, so I'm concerned. So I'm just going to mute myself here and, uh, you guys want to chat while I'm on the phone. Still, uh, Jeremy, we should just say in the chat uh, that uh, Asus actually is using uh, an AMD GPU because, this, you know, they kind of yep. just, I think it's equipped with the one. I don't know if that HS actually has the Vega on the side or not, whether it's just sort of sitting there. Kind of a little disappointing, though, that uh, it's constantly equipped with an NVIDIA GPU. <laughs> but I guess not to be surprised. Yeah, you know, you look at the desktop uh, performance and and power consumption on AMD parts versus Nvidia, and you can see that uh, you know when when they're looking at low power stuff, Nvidia's really got a an advantage there. Everything okay, Jim? It was. She just got concerned because the alert said tornado warning. So, oh, sweet. A good thing you're in the attic. Yeah, in the yeah, attic, so it's fine. Yeah, it's totally. Just, fine. Supposed just to go open to the all the windows in the house. The pressure differential exactly. won't kill you. Much. I think it rhymes. It's seek the peak. I think that's what you need to do. When it's- yeah. Awesome. Yep. Um, 
No, I just worry about AMD's timing because right now, I mean, honestly, the supply chain for a lot of components looks sort of like a bucket brigade. Uh, We've lost uh, like so much of the just-in-time inventory we're used to, the ability to produce stuff, and for lack of one uh, sim D, it's held up. And it's also going to make some interesting calls as to what they're going to be releasing along with this, because like we were saying, you know, NVIDIA is the better way to go with a mobile GPU. There's no question about it. We'll be talking about that a little bit later on in the show as well. But, you know, you're going to be looking at the okay over the next 12 to 18 months. Who's more likely to be able to supply me with a completed uh, system? Is NVIDIA going to run into some issues that AMD isn't? Is AMD? So we've the companies are looking far out to see, you know, this might actually end up being an opportunity for AMD to get some uh, chips in there if they are, as they've been saying, you know, TSMC has no issues going forward right now. Everything is going to be fine. And that could actually give them an, a, a bit of a bump up versus Intel, who's been having problems for forever. And NVIDIA, who, well, I mean, we haven't seen any shortages yet, but we haven't seen a new release either yet. There's going to be a certain set of laptops, though, that the Vega GPU is actually going to be reasonable enough, especially when you compare it to the the iGPU stuff that um, that Intel has been coming with for forever. The, the the Vega part that they're putting on on their G, or, well, their desktop G chips, but you know the mobile chips looks like it's actually going to be a reasonable performer for non gaming applications. Of course. Now, did you guys talk about battery life when I was muted there? No. No. Okay. No. So the the I mean I think we we knew that this was going to be a good chip. We knew there were going to be big improvements over the Zen Plus based Ryzen three thousand mobile. I think the thing that shocked everybody, including Intel, was how good battery life is uh, at low workloads. I mean, obviously uh, there were some tests that were done where you where you push the GPU and the CPU, you get you get down to a couple hours. But I mean, obviously that, that's pretty common across the uh, across the market. But here is a, uh, a battery test from Hot Hardware, and this is in line with a lot of other outlets that tested. And you can see here there is at the top, at the very top there, it, you know, almost 10 hours of battery life uh, for a video loop. And some other tests, like they ran the PC uh, PC work. Uh, Brent, I think I'm getting a lot of audio in your background there. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll mute that. Okay. Okay. Um, so, so this is yeah, this is a uh, hot hardware video test. It's a loop test, and it's almost ten hours, beating not just other thirty-five, forty-five watt TDP systems, but beating those fifteen watt the U series parts, uh, which is just incredible. And it's just really a testament to the efficiency, as Josh was talking about the, the advantages of this architecture, and and how efficient you can be at, at lower uh, at lower usage. And uh, do, like I said, do, that do you think anybody anybody from AMD said? Isn't this amazing? Yes. Thank uh, you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Well, I, I, I don't know if he did any uh, impressions, but Robert Halleck, of course, uh, was very happy on Twitter to, to promote those numbers when the first reviews uh, dropped. Uh, so you know, people are looking at this thing. And, and that's the other thing, too, is this is not uh, this, this Zephyrus um, system. Let me see if I can get the pictures up again. You know, it's not a, a like an XPS 13 style, like razor thin, but it is not a bulky laptop. I mean, when you look, when you talk about high performance laptops, the laptops that despite all other factors lead those performance benchmarks in the past, you're looking at those big custom gaming laptops, thick and loud and heavy. 
this thing is again it's not it's not razor thin but it's pretty thin and light and it allows you to have full-size ports it's kind of like in the original ultrabook yeah those things were skinny but this was the same kind of form factor about size yep so you're talking about basically industry-leading performance in in not all but most tests uh thin and light design 10 hours of battery life this is a, a dream system, and now I'm super excited to see what the what the U series is going to bring, and we'll be talking about the AMD U series as well, uh, because those systems, the the Zen Plus systems, as we've talked about, were good and they were a big improvement over previous AMD offerings. But Intel was still, in most respects, uh, ahead of AMD in that 15 watt category last year. So this year, uh, if the same kind of improvement comes, that's going to be incredible. Actually, I did want to ask a question, though, I was going to ask, and, and this could be equally asked a little bit later, and that's in regards to uh, like a 35-watt part and a 45-watt part. Is uh, Are those the same depending on whether you're on the red team or the blue team? I mean, you know, when you label something 35 watts or 45 watts, and it's sort of like the, the battery life kind of tells the tale on that is meaning, you know, do they really mean that's, or is it just optimistic? And I was going to bring this up later about you know, heat and, the, but the battery life is a clear indicator as well. Everybody's 35 watt or 45 watt is, is not measured with the same yardstick. Well, to, a, to an extent, in terms of like pure technical baseline, it's supposed to be, it's, it's the, it's the, 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 the yes, it's, it's the measurement at that, at a, a non-stock standard, but everybody exceeds it. Uh, in yes. fact, the, one of the problems that Intel's facing, and we'll talk about their mobile processors here in a bit. Right. Yeah. is that they go way over so that that's that, exactly yeah. what I'm talking about. Yeah. So their, their new highest end mobile part may beat uh, the AMD part in a few benchmarks, but it's doing it at three times the power draw. Uh, yeah. And then of course that's also heat and then that affects your battery life. And that, and this is on the same on the desktop too. Yeah. I mean, desktop yeah. TDP has become meaningless except merely to kind of categorize the different parts in the market. So you kind of know where you're starting from. But, uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll, well except we'll, uh, for the FX 9570, you oh. know, with its 199 <laughs> hot box. watt TDP, which yeah. honest to God was pretty much on the nose. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't lie. We missed the engineers telling us the model numbers and the heat stats and stuff, not the marketing team. Yeah. It's actually rare to even see TDP ratings for coolers anymore. There's a few that do. Mm-hmm. I know Be Quiet's one that does, but you don't just see a cooler and it will say right on the box, like, cools up to 180 watts or something, which it's, and I borrowed actually from the old office, one of the 9590s, which was a 220 watt TDP CPU from AMD that never hit its advertised clocks. If it did, it was for a microsecond because the thing was constantly throttling. Like if you were watching during a benchmark, uh, the frequency would constantly like spike up to max and then drop and spike and drop just to try to thermally manage. But I don't know. I look at TDP as it's, it's a thermal design. That's what it's supposed to be anyway. And I know that Intel has their own, what is it? Scenario design power. I don't know if they're still using that, but TDP is really just what they're basing the thermal design on like the actual cooling system. So yeah, power is probably going to be higher than that. They don't like, I don't think they publish power limits. They certainly don't advertise them the same way. So you have to do a lot of hands-on testing and 
you can't always even trust what the CPU is telling you as far as how much power is actually using. If you could trust everything that the software was telling you, it'd be a lot easier to review stuff, that's for sure. But, you know, the 35-watt version, obviously the big difference is going to be how it's implemented. This isn't like a desktop part where you could take a 65-watt desktop CPU like the Ryzen 7 3700X and just manually overclock it a little bit and suddenly turn it into a 95-watt 3800X. But with a laptop, it's being implemented in like a, a really thin form factor, even though that Zephyrus is not thin. Mm-hmm. It's my definition of thin. I, I hate really thin and light laptops because the, the concession is always lower clock speeds. You don't get high performance out of it. And there's not enough room for a battery and you don't have desktop style IO. But that's just like a side point. It, to me, these Ryzen laptops, partly because of the way they're being constructed, they're a more attractive option because they're they're considerably less expensive than a super high-end Intel machine, at least currently. So you're getting like incredibly high performance eight core sixteen thread CPU. But then you're also getting it in a slightly larger form factor that will have a bigger battery, that will have at least will be more likely to have things like a full size SD card reader and stuff that's actually useful to have on a laptop instead of carrying a bunch of dongles around and having two USB C ports on the side of it. But I like your optimism about the bigger battery. I mean, there's room for one. There is room for one. But it's <laughs> like, eh, we're going to ship this high-end part with a 65-watt-hour battery. <clears throat> I mean, look yeah. how thin no. laptops are. This is like a pretty standard laptop that will focus here. And the, this is this is considered thick enough to actually have a full-size USB on one side of it. And I've talked about this laptop before. This is the Spectre uh, 360. But you have to get into either the gaming category or mobile workstation to get into a form factor that we were used to just a few years ago. Like 10 years ago, laptops were twice this thick. It, when Steve Jobs walked out at whatever event it was and pulled the first macbook air out of a envelope that was this amazing moment for the industry where all these copycat products started coming out and it was a race to the thinnest laptop and then manufacturers started releasing things like the thinnest edge uh, versus the overall thickness of a laptop and there were different ways of measuring laptop thickness like the average between the thick and the thin half of it and it just got kind of ridiculous because battery life took a huge drop and connectivity was impacted by this. And it's only getting worse because Apple's MacBook line is ultra thin with these Y series Intel parts that are, I mean, that, that was, it's, hey, it's I, I don't need to cut my time, cake but. with a laptop. But you could just give me your laptop with all the connections I want, a decent battery and some cooling. I don't care. If it's 24 ounces or 36, just give me what I want. Now, in all fairness, they did make the 16 like 0.1 millimeters thicker. So, all right, to accommodate the non broken keyboard. Yes, that's true. Yeah. But, Jim, you're aware of this product, right? There's a product you can buy for a MacBook that know exactly what you're going to say. And then you like sort of permanently dock it to it. And it just creates a thicker laptop and people, you know, love this thing because it adds things like full size USB three ports and 
and other things to the machine that otherwise another hard drive yeah it's actually yeah oh my gosh a hardware Mm. ethernet port that's just what kind of a fantasy world is this wow that's that takes me back to 2005 this this is the owc deck dec now uh just to correct sebastian there uh, i don't believe this ever actually went on sale they really a couple years ago Ah, i kept asking about it i talked to their ceo at uh, ces last year and it's still as far as i know has not been uh you know made made available for for sale but it's it's i i was excited about this thing because if you're looking at the video version here the macbook pro is just that top line and then the thickness in the bottom pretty much doubling or maybe even tripling the thickness is this add-on that attaches through the screws on the bottom of the system and gives you an SD card reader, full-size USB ports, an Ethernet port. They were talking about allowing you to get inside and add two and a half inch SSDs, uh, options for additional batteries, and it all connects through your Thunderbolt. No optical uh, drive? Uh, no optical drive, but maybe <laughs> they could have. Well, it was the card reader that everybody sure was really bent, bent about. Well, well, that was one yeah. of the things. <laughs> 2015 was the last year that Apple made a laptop. Ever since then, they've made these True. sort of hinged portable devices that don't actually have any particular usefulness to somebody like me. But yeah, in the, that's a in personal the years opinion. past, I've bought two 2015-15 MacBook Pros just for that reason. Yeah, those are great. They have a full-size SDXC reader and full-size USB yes. ports and even have yep. HDMI, I believe. They have it all. You can change the Let size. Let me ask one thing. Because we're we're so way out in the weeds. <laughs> Do these laptops support PCI 4.0 or are they all PCI no. 3.0? It's 3. Yeah, AMD's platform is only 3. three. It's it's a power issue. It is. Apparently. And in fact, that actually, seems, you know, kind of important coming up into yeah. this new year when we're going to have better uh NVMe solutions probably coming out later this summer but uh yeah that's I don't know. It's still still not real power efficient but dang it's fast and my specific, specifically on this go ahead jim uh specifically uh mentioning pcie on this zephyrus laptop we're talking about uh that the intel ssd in there is it's a it's a by two 3.0 port which is adequate for the drive that they include because it's a QLC drive. But yeah, just just keep in mind that's that's a restriction with that particular product. So hopefully we'll see more yeah. Ryzen four thousand. And not a, I will say anybody listening who hasn't studied the specs, not a restriction on AMD side because they their interface at least off of the CPU, the total platform lanes is another matter. But the the CPU itself is by eight PCIe Gen three for the graphics. That's dedicated for any kind of discrete graphics product. And then you have a split of by four and by four for storage. So for your fast storage. So that does not, the platform itself does not limit you to a by two PCI Gen 3 connection for your SSD. Yes. It's just the way yeah. they've implemented this one. But like Jim said, I mean, this is a, it's such a nuanced thing. This is not, it's just a system integrator decision. It And that's how you, that's how laptops work. You don't just get to buy a, a bare platform. Well, I mean, they do exist. You can buy a platform and kind of build it up yourself, but this yeah, particular when you're one talking is about really really between, hard. and you're arguing yeah. between a, a five watt PCIe SSD and then jumping up to a 12 to 13 watt PCIe 4.0 unit. That's, 
that's an area where they will look at it and they'll say, you know what? You don't need that kind of performance, but we can save some power and some battery. Remember the good old days when you could buy the uh, extra fans to brace to put underneath your laptop? Oh, you can still buy <laughs> those. Literally a I think you can still you buy those. And, yeah. 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 I think that's what you need. And we'd have to bring back the warning about, yes, don't put it on your lap if you're male uh, and you want children. Or Because that was a thing a while ago, too. If you don't want children. Unless you don't, in which case, do it. Well, well Too late Maybe now. not right now. Too yeah. late now. Yeah. Um, Plus, it just gets kind of sweaty and uncomfortable, too. So, I mean, that's so, really, it's more of a comfort thing or, or like really children, right? a performance thing. If your laptop happens to draw air from the bottom like this one does, then you can't really ever set it on your laptop. Yeah, I, I don't even want to talk about it. So back in 1995, 96, they were shipping laptops with full-size Pentium 2 chips oh, God. installed <laughs> in there. And when you were running yeah. it, you not only had to have it plugged in, but they had stilts on the bottom that would lift up the laptops to keep the airflow going so they wouldn't yep and i knew all these med school students who who bought these things because they were the the literally hottest laptops around their battery life was like 10 minutes it was terrible but anyway again weeds let's get out of them uh speaking of that just real quick there's a uh a laptop uh clevo uh, so it's it's like a custom laptop. They oh, put yeah. the thirty nine fifty X in there. Oh, so it's reasonable. Yeah, probably oh, draws yeah, about the same amount of power as one of the new tenth gen CPUs. Well, so that that was fine. their point. Was under certain conditions, the new tenth gen mobile is more power hungry than the desktop thirty nine fifty X in how eco big is mode. That, how big is that power brick? I'd like to see a picture of that. Uh, I don't know. They didn't. They, they didn't have any. The picture may not be to scale. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, at least. Uh, just to finish up real quick here, did you guys mention gaming when I was muted earlier? Very. Well, no, I don't think so. I think okay, I sort so, of alluded to the fact that that particular one has the twenty sixty, so the gaming is not really. Yeah, we did. We talked about the graphics cards and the, yeah, the Vega yeah. uh, potential. So there are there are sites. Most of the sites did some form of gaming benchmark, uh, but as we said, yeah, it's hard with laptops. It's always hard because it's rare that you'll find a a laptop where everything is the same except the processor. Uh, so you can see and take it for what it's worth. A couple sites, as we do here for desktop, they tried to lower the resolution to try to remove the GPU bottleneck. Um, and it, it, the the point is, it's it's not the fastest, uh, but it's very close. It's very good. It's more than adequate for gaming. And at most of the resolutions you're going to be playing at, it's going to be just as fast as any other 2060 MXQ system as, as those become more available. So, uh, so very good news for gamers. You don't have to handicap gaming uh, with this part just because it's so uh, performant for productivity stuff. And importantly, I will say one of the nice things about having the dedicated GPU like it has is that you can offload all of your video encoding onto that. So when you're doing your whichever team oriented remote app like zoom or microsoft teams i think it's called or what we're doing or anything that like everything i do goes through the camlink 4k it's a sony a6000 camera to the camlink 4k but then say i'm streaming if i'm using obs i can set it to the nvidia encoder and it completely offloads that off of the cpu so that's one of the sort of hidden features of having a card like that is that suddenly streaming and 
other video conferencing type stuff gets a lot smoother if you have a camera that can take advantage of hardware encoding. I think the Logitech cameras do too, don't they, Jim? You uh, can yes. do NVENC. Quick, uh, QuickSync and NVENC. Yeah. Uh, and that's and that's important too because AMD's... Um, I, actually, I haven't seen any updated tests with Navi, but traditionally the AMD video encoder, uh, is the GPU-based encoder, is not as high of quality, noticeably so. Uh, as as Nvidia or Intel, so it's that was something they addressed with the new architecture. But uh, they they went into that quite a bit when I went to the Tech Day way back at E three last year. Okay, but yeah, it's Nvidia's is pretty good. I've I've obviously it, been. I mean, since I started doing this, I've been using it. Whether it's Skype or actually, I'm not even sure how VSync works. If it's all CPU, but it's um, it's also the Turing based because it, it's generational on the Nvidia side. So the Turing based NV Inc. is yeah even better than it's a lot better. Based. Yeah, but let's uh, let's move on to the next story. Um, and uh, we'll stick with eight, with the same theme though. We're talking about <laughs> Ryzen four thousand mobile parts. But what we all talked about just now, as we talked about, was the thirty five slash forty five watt TDP, the higher end stuff. Uh, we also know that they're going to have a U series again. Last year they were exclusively U series parts and. They gave us a, a, a roadmap a while back, but it looks like, according to a Digitimes report this week, that there might be an, a new uh, p- uh, mobile part uh, at the top of that U-series, just like there was with this 4900, because we didn't know about that right away. And, uh, of course, keeping in, in line, it's, it's rumored to be that this would be the, 49, the Ryzen 9 4900U, uh, which, again, 15-watt, 8-course, uh, 16-threads, uh, but higher higher clocks. And this is a Tom's Hardware report citing Digitimes, and you can see how it, sli- it slots in here compared to both the Ice Lake and uh, upcoming Tiger Lake Intel parts and the existing, what we knew from the Ryzen U series here. So the base clock um, goes to, um, wait, is this right? That's all backwards. That, that looks wrong. Yeah. yeah, that's I think there's an error in yeah, that chart. That's but it's weird. It's uh, it's supposed to uh, to up the uh, the uh, base and boost of the CPU, and then uh, yeah, this this chart is wrong. Sorry, but it's it's supposed to be faster, slightly faster, just like the 4900 was to the 4800 series. So there it looks like there'll be even more options there uh, in that 15 watt ultra thin and light uh, category. But uh, what do you guys think about that? I, I mean. I'm even more excited now for the U series than the H because that's where a lot of margin is. Those, those portable lower end, lower price rather uh, systems, you know, the gaming laptops aren't really driving the market as much as people buying productivity machines. And if you can get a system like that, that has really good performance and much better battery life than the Intel counterpart, I mean, that would be game over this generation. I wouldn't see any reason outside of yeah. this, the few apps that are optimized for Intel. Any other any other thoughts on on Ryzen mobile processors? Yay! Yay! Awesome! Okay. Yay! Yep, keep an eye out. I can't wait to get one. We got it. We got to yes. buy them. Uh, every time I call and I cry, they tell me they love me, but they still don't send me any review units. <laughs> that's just like me. And during this pandemic. NVIDIA is not sending me an RTX 2080 Ti, and I don't think they realize how much I need that. Yes. It's just me. like it. It's exactly like it. Mm-hmm. Tell them you need it for the touring. 
encoder, the video encoder. Yes. You're going to think about the, the quality Nvidia stream F1 virtual team. Do they oh. sponsor one? <clears throat> that would be great. There you, you go. Need to there should be this. more there should be more sponsors for virtual racing. There might be if this uh this this get a Fox Fox Sports. Fox Sports. Fox Sports. Exactly. Oh, yeah. They're doing the F1. Yeah, they they picked it all up, but I think No, they're now... they're doing NASCAR. Yes. They're picking the low hanging fruit first. Right. Okay. Incidentally, just take this, they saw that. take this tangent. No, there's Sorry, another God. group that's doing F1 with Codemasters. Okay. Uh, FIA is is doing, but it's it's it is not nearly as robust as what Fox Sports is doing with with iRacing and uh, and NASCAR. I mean, it was kind of interesting because like four weeks ago when they they had their first one, you had these these NASCAR racers with you know the the a Logitech G27. Uh, bolted onto their desk and they're playing on a laptop. And then fast forward four weeks later, they've all got these full motion simulator kits and seats and, and triple screen options with direct drive wheels that, you know, it's a $20,000 setup that they quickly win. So, I mean, it seems like the money's there because the sponsors like Ally and uh, Chevrolet for, I think, Jimmy Johnson, I mean, he had this very, very basic set up initially and then this last one i mean he had this full motion sim racing thing with you know it was the 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 racing seat and it's got you know ally stitched on the the wings of there and and chevrolet on the wheel and all this other stuff and it's like these guys are taking it seriously and that's really cool oh there well it's not like you got hundreds of thousand dollars of repairs to do after every race Exactly. So true. Yeah. <laughs> Good point. I, I got, my, I got my, poor, my poor boy Momo is coming back. Getting ready now, for the dirt rally. That I would hope that still has at least basic compatibility with modern games. That's the sad thing to me about like my you know, I don't know. my old game controllers is Do you have a much serial have port? It's USB. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, hey, you know well, what? Actually, speaking of, completely unrelated, I have this thing in for testing. We were talking about AMD stuff. This is the one of the newest Leva, Leva boxes from ECS, if it'll focus. And one of the things about this, this is the AMD-powered version. This takes Ryzen processors. has a 35-watt limit, which I'm going to test because it actually has a 90-watt power supply. So I'm going to try to sneak a 3400G in this thing. But it actually it has a serial port. If you look on the back, ooh, oh, look at that! Oh, that's VGA. There you go. Oh wait, no, over no, there. serial. <laughs> oh, I see. Look above cereal. the HDMI. There's <laughs> yeah. the RS two thirty two right there. So and a card reader beside it, apparently. In th- well, actually, can you adapt game port to serial? That's I don't know if you can or not. I would. Maybe. I would assume I so. I don't know. There's still somebody. Yeah, I have. I've got some PCI sound cards that still have game port, so I can send you one. Oh yeah. I have a few. I have a few with game points. Yeah, I got an all sixty four kicking around somewhere. You know what? Whenever I hear I that Leva go. name, I always think to just leave me alone. Aha. Not leave not living La Viva Loca. No, no, leave me yeah, alone. That Leva Las Vegas. You don't think that? that? No. Jim, the, the podcast needs a musical sting, I think. In some way, uh, yeah, we can't afford Sting. Uh, that's not what actually I meant, but yeah, 
Um, but yeah, I think it, I think vMix supports the soundboard functionality. But you might want to do that. What we need to do is we need to give it to the audience. Give it to the Discord. Oh my gosh! And let them control when it's oh yes, early at all. Yeah. Think- and, and really, then just tap balloons. into a voice channel. Thought balloons and, and sound effects. Mm-hmm. I can do it in post, but anyway, let's uh, let's finish up our processor, mobile processor news. Ah. Um, so we talked all about AMD. Well, Intel's got their counterparts, uh, the 10th Gen H series that's come out. Now, whereas all that news about AMD and its exciting new uh, process uh, node and architecture and all the you know the great things that are happening there intel unfortunately is still stuck on uh 14 nanometer and it's still stuck on the skylake basis of their original parts and they're still kind of at both desktop and mobile they're just they're just stuck because things went awry with their 10 nanometer plans and now the the lower power stuff the ice lake and upcoming tiger lake stuff that's exciting that's more more interesting because they actually made the leap there uh but uh for for the H series, they can only further refine and they've gotten really good at refining. And this new part does some interesting things. Like I think it hits what? 5.2 gigahertz, um, 5.3 gigahertz, three, 5.3. And you know, that's incredible for a mobile part, but it also uses a lot of power and it's real hot and it can't sustain those clocks for a long time. But I don't know, Sebastian, you wrote this up for us. Take us through what is Intel have on store for us for their H series parts, the new 10th gen H series. Well, uh, we'll talk about the clock speeds because that was the big thing. Five gigahertz on laptop across the board, pretty much, at least with the higher end parts. But it's on the same architecture, like you said. They've done some things. And this is kind of what they did with the the desktop, the high-end desktop that we looked at last summer when they released the 10980K part. And so... With this, you get the same kind of things. You get like a slight memory support bump from 2666 up to 2933. Uh, That really doesn't matter that much on the Intel side of things, and especially if you're not using integrated graphics. But so there's, I mean, there's that. And then there's higher clocks. But essentially, uh, other than the platform itself, and they're big on their platform and, you know, rightfully so for certain things, like they can advertise the fact that they have Thunderbolt 3, whereas, you know, if you get one of the Ryzen 4000 parts, you don't get that. And they have Wi-Fi 6 built into their PCH and, uh, you know, things like Optane support. So, but for the CPU itself, and if you're watching the video right now, we have the slide up here showing the new lineup. So the i9-1090-10980HK is the new flagship mobile part. It's going to replace the 9980, and it has a base clock of 2.4 gigahertz, but a maximum single-core turbo boost of 5.3, which is actually misleading because that's with with the use of thermal velocity boost, or TVB, which relies on a certain amount of headroom to further boost by a couple of hundred megahertz past the top single core turbo boost frequency afforded by the standard boost. So you you have to have a bigger thermal uh, footprint basically to even hit 5.3 and it's not a sustained clock speed. So it's, it's, it's murky. I think realistically it's more like a 5.1 gigahertz processor depending on how it's implemented. But Anyway, eight cores, 16 threads as before, still 45 watts. 
still 16 megs of cache. And like I said, the, the memory increased from 2666 to 2933. And there's also a core i7 109870. No, 10875. These numbers are getting really awkward. They actually have a product, I think it's an i3. That's a 10110 right now. So it's I'm starting to think we should do it like phone numbers. Yeah. Like it's not the 10. It's the 10970HKX2E2. They're insulting me in hexadecimal. <laughs> yeah, what does uh 10110 isn't really anything, I guess. It it's Could be. 22. But yeah, it's and it's, at least it's not isolate. Isolate adds those uh like the G7 and the G5 to the end, right? To, to let you know what kind of graphics it has. But yeah, these are it's it basically it's this it's the last generation over again, but at higher clock speeds and uh minor memory bump. I don't know if I'm missing anything here, but it, they were it's it's telling whenever a product refresh happens and the charts go to compared to a three year old machine or compared to a three year old graphics card. We've seen this with graphics card refreshes, like when, you know, a company would go from, say, a 480 to a 580 and then talk about upgrade cycles. Or I think NVIDIA has done this before. Intel has done this. They're doing it now. So, yes, this is a compelling part if you're on a Cabby Lake system. You're going to get a significant improvement in performance because the clocks are so much higher. But... It's not really introducing anything new. And if you go out there and buy anything with a Coffee Lake CPU in it, that's the 8th gen or 9th gen or this, it's going to have fairly similar performance. You're just getting that 5 gigahertz uh, max turbo on this thing. You know, it, and that it, was 14 the- nanometer, no matter how many pluses you deal with. There's only so many ways to skin a cat with silicon. I mean, unless you just radically redo your entire thing with some genius architecture, but the way they've been going, I mean, it's, I think they're kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel of what they can do with what the tools that they have without doing clean sheet. Yeah. Well, then that's, that's the unspoken Mm -hmm. reality and they don't, well, I was actually, they have admitted this on a few occasions, but the. You know, they're never going to tell you this isn't ideal, but that's the rea- everything that's happened in the last five years has been not ideal because they had to start over, right? I mean, and it doesn't mean that they're bad products, but they're not. This isn't where they thought they'd be in their long-term strategy. Now think about no. what AMD would have right now if they had this design for Zen and they didn't have a working process to put it on. Like if they had all these grand plans for what they do on 7 nanometer and seven nanometer wasn't working, but they don't have their own fab that was spun off many years ago, and they work with TSMC for their current stuff. And TSMC has well, been really a partner of theirs. What's that? It would still be an improvement because they would still probably do a chiplet architecture with Zen two, even at fourteen nanometer. But you're not going to get some of the efficiency improvements that that we have seen. You're, I think, you would see much the same clocks. But you would not see the sustained clocks because of power and heat. Um, but yeah, I yeah. think that the, yeah. overall, I, uh, the, uh, the architectural jump from Zen to Zen 2 is 
it's significant. And but the one area I think that they would have had most problems with was probably the L3 cache, because 32 mm-hmm. megs on a stinking chiplet is pretty impressive. And they would have probably that would have been a huge, huge uh, uh, power sink and and uh, a tremendous amount of die space. And so we probably would have seen a Zen 2 with 16 megs of L3. I'm but other than that, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's still not going to be a huge die, but it's it's not going to be small. Is that That's a good point? That, yeah, anyway. <laughs> yeah, they, L3 cache would have would have taken taken the cut if, if they didn't have 7 nanometer. And and to be fair, overall, especially regarding things like boost and base, and how how long can they hit that five point three? A lot of workloads are sh- affected or, or noticeable based on those short bursty little things, because most people are on their laptop, especially just running Blender twenty four seven. They're opening a file, loading a model, opening an Excel spreadsheet, and if you get those higher single core frequencies, and you pair it with something like Optane, which despite I think it was marketed poorly, but it is very fast for random ops that you kind of do. There would probably be a measurable difference there in terms of experience. It's just, it's going to be small now because everything else is caught up. All NVMe drives, even QLC are fast. The, the, the feeling is there. So there are workloads where Intel makes sense. It's just that those, the roles have reversed that they're, they're, those are the minority. Now, those workloads in the situations where you'd say Intel over AMD. Uh, but uh, I, I do want to point out, I want to thank our, our old friend, our good friend, Alan Malventano. He sent me a lovely screenshot, just making sure that we're aware of the <laughs> impending doom uh, in the Cincinnati area. Uh, I've heard, I don't know if you guys Wait, what was it, that but, from, uh, what was that from, what is that called? What's the app that everybody's lamenting the loss of on the... Dark uh, Sky. Dark Sky. Dark Sky. Uh, of course, Alan, be. longtime iPhone user, he may very well be using that app. Yeah. So, uh, thanks, Alan. Appreciate it. Uh, and if if the show abruptly stops, that's probably why. Um, By the way, I'm doing up. Sorry. I'm looking up information about thermal velocity boost here, and it sounds like they've gone back to where it was with Coffee Lake H, which is a 200 megahertz boost. And th- that restriction was if T-Case is 50C or lower and turbo power budget is available for Coffee Lake R, Whiskey Lake U, and Comet Lake U, that was only a 100 megahertz boost. And that was if T-Case is at 70C or lower and turbo budget is available. So there's all there's restrictions about it. I wanted to say it's 65C. It sounds uh, right. 265, yep. 200 megahertz and yeah. 65C. Okay. So, I mean, that's not impossible but you get really toasty quick. If you've used uh, one of those processors for any kind of, you know, sustained workload, you're going to be well up over 65 watts or 65 C, depending on room temperature and all that stuff. But for single thread stuff, yeah. I mean, that those typically live in like the 35 to 45 C range until you really start doing something. So maybe, maybe, I mean, I've, I've used Intel stuff before where single threaded boost was very snappy feeling. It, it really depends on how quickly it turbos up. I'm sure they've been optimizing for that. So, And uh, also real quick too, as uh, Sebastian pointed out earlier, 
Intel is touting their platform advantages like Thunderbolt and Wi-Fi. Now, Thunderbolt could be added. There's nothing prohibiting them from a uh, manufacturer from pairing Thunderbolt uh, chip. You've seen on some uh, Ryzen motherboards. Uh, but uh, the integrated Wi-Fi 6 is, I think that's important because I've seen a lot of laptops, including AMD laptops, where they, they don't go with a good Wi-Fi card. And it's... It's, it, it makes it, it, today especially it makes it very difficult to use. Like the uh, the, the Ryzen based Microsoft Surface laptop uh, was, it, I think it had a Qualcomm uh, AC card in there, and it was terrible. The performance was really bad. Whereas the Intel based model goes with the integrated Wi-Fi six that they've got there. And whatever you want to say about Intel, uh, their Wi-Fi six integrated solution is outstanding. It is a very high performance, reliable, solid card. Uh, it's good. So you got to make sure that that's that's something when you when you're going with the Ryzen system, make sure you pay attention to who the OEM has used for for wireless on that board. What do you think is the best for uh, AMD now if they can't have uh, Intel Wi-Fi six? Who's making the best? Well, they paired the Ace uh, the Intel AC chip on like the Lenovo's. I think pair the Ryzen processors with with Intel. It's not six, but it's five AC. Yeah, um, and that was really good. Because it's not six, but it's a really good uh, AC card. But and, and Qualcomm, I'm sure, has better stuff than whatever Microsoft chose to use in that one instance. But uh, but yeah, we'll see. It's Any interesting. Other... I've got a motherboard, an AMD motherboard with an Intel Wi-Fi six chip. An AMD motherboard with an Intel Wi-Fi six? Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't think I've seen that combo yet. Yeah, no, it's the uh, it's the one I just sent you the video uh oh okay the asrock phantom gaming x it's got wi-fi 6 well there you go then, or, then everybody or PGX, wins. as we say in the biz it's the pgx pgx i don't know that's how asus refers to it internally i had no idea what our contact at asus was talking about initially when he sent me a note about that a while back i'm like pgx what is the pg oh phantom gaming x okay <laughs> okay yeah. i got you well, I mean, most Threadripper boards ship with an Intel wireless chip anyway, so win-win for Intel in that case. It's, it's I mean, funny because a lot of these systems, including the ones I've put together for benchmarking, it's a AMD processor, and a video graphics card, and Intel, uh, either Ethernet or wireless. So you, you have everybody represented there. It's a beautiful. It's like a rainbow. We stand around wow. holding hands, singing We Are the World. <laughs> yeah. My, uh... And hope it doesn't blue screen. Okay, so maybe uh, if we all get together and sing "Imagine," that our video watching will go right. You see, maybe, maybe all you had to different song. all you had to ask us was to be nice. I think you got the slow. All you had to do was just that you guys have to be nice today. But that that's that only to that's only effective if you're singing from your mansion. Maybe yeah, something so from. We could do a tiptoe through the tulips in really high voices, and it's going to take off. It it's possible. Anything's possible. Okay. We'll see. Okay. Yeah. The Josh, does that okay? Because I'm looking at the specs okay. for the Meg X570 Godlike board. That's the mm-hmm. AMD board that AMD shipped out with the processors initially. It uses the killer Wi-Fi six AX1650. And that is an Intel Wi-Fi 6 card with the sort of killer wrapping, the killer software around it. So I think yeah. that's in a number 
of AMD devices out there, like high end. Yeah, it's that's, definitely in, in motherboards that are above three hundred bucks. It seems yeah. like yeah. that's I had completely forgotten so all lead ripper motherboards. Yeah, because I see killer all the time, and I'd forgotten that they're now Intel, basically, with yeah. the exception uh, of yep. I think one Ethernet chip. Um, they're they're all their new stuffs Intel. So. Oh. Okay, well, then we're going to take our quick break to thank our first sponsor this week. We'll be right back. One of the most important decisions in business, and especially small business, is finding the right person. That's why it's crucial to use the right tools during the hiring process, and that's where LinkedIn can help. LinkedIn Jobs is a powerful yet easy-to-use service that can quickly match your open job role with a qualified candidate. LinkedIn Jobs leverages the existing LinkedIn business network and its active community of more than 675 million members worldwide to help you identify and screen candidates. And it's not just about a potential candidate's past experience or certifications. LinkedIn Jobs allows you to focus on the hard and soft skills that can help you determine if someone would be a good fit. Things like a candidate's ability to collaborate on a complicated project, their ability to think creatively about problem solving and future strategies, and their ability to adapt to new information in unexpected situations. And thanks to LinkedIn's large network, your post will be seen every day by people who have the skills to fill your open role. And here's the beauty again of leveraging that huge LinkedIn network. Your post will even be seen by people not explicitly looking for a new job, but who otherwise perfectly match your job's requirements. Because sometimes the perfect candidate may not even know there's a better opportunity out there. And despite all these features, using LinkedIn jobs to post an application and screen candidates is simple and fast. You can have a post submitted and live in just minutes and be screening candidates within hours. 80% of hirers on LinkedIn found a qualified applicant in just 24 hours. And overall, someone is hired using LinkedIn every eight seconds. It's no wonder that companies rate LinkedIn Jobs the number one hiring platform for delivering quality hires. So if you're looking for that right person for your business, find them with LinkedIn Jobs. You can pay what you want and get the first $50 off. Just visit LinkedIn.com slash PC per again, that's linkedin.com slash PC per to get $50 off your first job post terms and conditions apply. We thank LinkedIn jobs for their support of the PC perspective podcast. And uh, we're back. Uh, so let's continue on with the show. Uh, we were done with the uh, mobile processors, but we're going to continue talking about processors in general, specifically the release time frame for both Intel and AMD's upcoming uh, desktop processors. So this would be Ryzen 4000 for, for uh, desktop, which is Zen 3 as opposed to Zen 2 on Ryzen 4000 mobile and Intel's uh, Comet Lake S series parts as well. Now there have been some reports. Uh, we knew that Intel's would be coming out sometime in the next month or so. And uh, the Digitimes report uh, says that it's going to be uh, end of April. It's going to be dependent on the supply chain and uh Obviously, things are still in, in flux with the global economy, so we'll see how, how uh, that works out. And then with AMD's processor, the original rumors were October, and this most recent Digitimes report says it's actually September that we might see those those uh, Zen 3 Ryzen 4000 desktop parts. So uh, that would be uh, uh, pretty exciting. Although, again, we'll see. I, I don't know if the supply chain will support that and if anyone will have any money left to buy them if it can. But is that, that what do you guys think? Is that uh, sooner or later than you had thought? Well, that was sort of the, the news for quite a while was that we'd see this second half of this year. And they've been very consistent with that message. Uh, so one hopes that it's also accurate and that uh, 
you know, I, in a way, I, I sort of believe that AMD is going to do it a little bit quicker than uh, Intel is. In terms we'll of like see, actually we'll getting these... getting volume, yes. Okay, yeah, so that, getting that volume to people. Comet, Comet Lake would launch, but not actually be available to buy until later. Now, the one thing that I, I it does kind of baffle me, and part of it's because you know, even though I'm locked and I'm stupidly busy during the day at work, is that they're sort of talking about the the, the 600 series chipsets. Where I'm like, what are you going to add? Mm. Like, like what? What do you have to add? You've got a chips. Well, you've got a chip that spans, de- depending on the model, literally three generations of motherboards. Uh, so you're adding in a new generation. Like, what is there going to be some sort of a driving feature that I'm not thinking of that makes sense? That oh hell, yeah. I, the, I, I the, think the biggest the, driving feature of a next generation chipset is lower power PCI 4.0. That would I be think nice. That's rocket, yes. rocket. That would be my I guess. The leaked uh, rumor is that you don't see that until Rocket Lake on the 500 series. Well, that's on Intel. Well, that's Intel. I'm talking about AMD. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, sorry. Missed that. Yeah. I know. (laughs) You're fine. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, I I think that would be kind of the the killer. I mean, we probably more USB 3.1 Gen 2 ports. Um, maybe a little expansion in terms of IO that way, but I think that maybe if, if, at least if I were a PM, I'd be looking to get that power down from the 15 watt TDP that, that the X570 takes right now. Uh, that would be my biggest goal because otherwise in terms of IO, yeah, I I agree with you there. I mean, what more are you going to add? You can't do Thunderbolt three. For obvious reasons, I mean, you can try, but you know, I, what, what is the rollout of, of of the next generation of USB that is actually kind of thunderbolty? Oh I, God, it, USB three point. Well, it's, it's going to be USB four, four by four it's by USB lightning four. speed yeah. X twelve, which thankfully yeah. has been rebranded. <laughs> But I, I don't originally I don't see them doing that God. in the 600 series. Yep. That We're going to call it USB 2. Too fast. Be perfect. That I, seems I, too soon. That would be awesome. But it one. Seems too soon. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just, they're going to call it Just USB. Like the Battlefield. USB 1X. Battlefield 4 to yeah. 1. US, yeah. USB <laughs> Series X. Yeah, I, I think two. USB 4. I'm thinking, I'm, I'm recalling late 2020. But yeah, that's like initial launch. I, I doubt they'd be ready to go so soon. And then that also is beyond the release window here. I mean, but the, the good news is, unlike on the Intel side, this is going to be yet again a pin compatible drop in upgrade. It's going to be backwards compatible with previous gen chips. You can go buy a new motherboard for your chip. You can buy a new chip now and stay on 570 or 470 and then go to the 600 series later. Uh, so I don't know how much longer. I think this is, the, this is the, probably the last time. For Zen 4, I think they said they were going to a new uh, platform, but... I think memory is to... the big thing. Yeah. Because I I would assume DDR5 would be on desktop by the time they... The 700s or whatever series, the post-AM4 era. But, uh, yeah, well, They're so we'll, bound we'll to see... need more power pins in the socket at some point. They're bound to. If they keep... If they keep the trend of core increases per generation going, then yes. I always like that the the latest uh, AMD is what a thirteen thirty one. It's 
it's elite almost pins what? 1331 oh the pin yeah. yeah if you spell it out yeah i get it yeah uh-huh. it's the only time i've ever gotten one of your references josh <sighs> thank the lord ding <laughs> chime <about>. in <laughs> all right so well uh, if if uh, this if the again this this is a report from digitimes mm-hmm. citing industry partners like motherboard manufacturers uh so we'll see and, and as always with digitimes um sometimes things are kind of lost in tran- translation or through a telephone game so maybe maybe this is, September is when the motherboard manufacturers get the parts and we don't see until October. But either way, uh, we know at some point later this year, uh, so that'd be good. And then if you are waiting on Intel, it shouldn't be too much longer. Uh, just as Jeremy alluded to, based on some previous launches, it might be a question of availability, though, even if it yeah, is now, actually Now, launched. something also to consider real quick is that uh, Taiwan has been relatively unaffected uh, by the current pandemic. And... It looks like that they've kind of got things on lockdown, and so the majority of the high-end fabs that are doing these seven nanometer and these seven, well, if they want to call it seven plus or whatever of the next generation, uh, their workforce and supply chain does not look to be impacted whatsoever. Now, if if you look at Intel, the vast majority of their four major fabs are are in the United States, and you know, I, I couldn't tell you how that is affecting their business. And I think they, they have one major fab in, in Israel as well. And Israel is, is super locked down. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm kind of wondering if, if AMD is not slightly lucking out in terms of who they've chose as their manufacturing partner. And Intel is going to be experiencing some interesting possible lockdowns as well in, in, in their locations and especially the one in the Pacific Northwest. Um, yeah, I don't have all concrete information on that, but this is something to consider uh, going forward because it's, it's certainly, it's certainly important. Yeah. And, and just beyond actually manufacturing, just the distribution and getting things to stores yeah. and are the stores even open? I mean, here I believe nationwide the Best Buy policy, because the one here does it, is you can't go in the store, but if you order online, or even if you just show up, an employee will come out through a shield and ask you what you want and then go in and get it and bring it out to you. And so that's working. Yeah. Wait, do you have stores, to pay for it? Well, yes. Then they bring I don't out do that the, tomorrow. Oh, okay. They, but uh, that, that's, <laughs> that's certainly working. But you still. can't browse curbside. That's You yeah. can't. No. No. Oh. So I'll just hang on. Exactly. I want to compare. I'll hang on to this uh, one. You yeah, go get me the one, other one. Exactly. I want to see the fifteen. Can I see the other one of this? Can I? Yeah. Yeah. Let me show the. Give me the one with the sixteen me, gig. Yeah. Can so you bring out a couple of displays so I can it? see how this laptop feels? Yeah. So that's obviously going to have <laughs> an impact on on volume because yeah. some people may not want to put up with that. Some people may not know. A lot of people don't even want to leave the house because they're of their own concerns. So. Uh, it's going to be. Really I think it's safe to say at this point that all announcements, at least right now, are just going to be paper launches that they can announce whatever they want and that availability is going to be something else entirely. Mm-hmm. But uh, anyway, let's, uh, let's jump over to uh, another announcement uh, in the last uh, week or so. Uh, NVIDIA, as we talked about, NVIDIA had uh, their new 2060 max Q mobile GPU that launched in that Zephyrus uh, AMD Ryzen laptop. Uh, but they also updated the rest of their lineup uh, and Sebastian uh, wrote this up for us. So, 
Tell us what's going on with the latest uh, super updates to RTX Mobile. I don't know why I feel like we've already talked about this, but we haven't done a show in two weeks, so that's not possible. But uh, maybe no, it was because we were talking about the new DLSS 2.0 a while back, and this yes. part of their announcement yep. reiterated that. But this is different because they they literally brought the 2080 and 2070 Super from desktop down to mobile, and if you compare the specs, they're exactly the same except for clocks, as you'd expect because it's a, it's a notebook part. One thing that is different, though, that I didn't initially catch until I was actually going through all the technical info when I wrote up the news post, they are using lower power memory, apparently, for the new uh, their new boost. Because if you're familiar, there there's a couple different um, kind of boosts. I wouldn't know call protocol systems on NVIDIA laptops. There's Max-Q which is something that's like lower, not lower footprint, but thinner form factor machines. This is something that I think came out in 2017. I remember Ryan talking about this. It was at Computex back in 2017 when they announced it. And Max-Q basically was kind of a new system to put a larger GPU that normally would require a big gaming laptop into a thinner profile machine. And so with the new devices with the new GPUs, including the supers, the 2070 and 2080 super, there will be max Q variants. And part of the deal, like I said, there's lower voltage GDDR6. There is an advanced Optimus. And they are talking about a new dynamic boost. And the claim is that the new max Q is double the efficiency of the last one. And they're doing a lot of the kind of stuff that I know AMD was talking about um, when they did their last mobile launch. And they were talking about kind of the, the overall thermal uh, impact of different aspects of the system and skin temperature and the way they're they're handling boosts. And it's kind of the same thing, only here, NVIDIA's big emphasis was in shared thermals. They were talking about the the static thermals and how if you sort of segment cpu and gpu and can move between them on the fly balancing power it'll be interesting to see exactly how these shifts work uh in relation to existing technologies or if this is something entirely new i know they said electrically there is there is some new stuff and they they beyond just the lower voltage gdr6 memory they were talking about voltage regulators so it's something that cannot be implemented on existing hardware. So if you already have a Max-Q, you can't just download the latest version of GeForce Experience and get the improved efficiencies. You actually have to have whatever's been electrically certified to generate the higher efficiency boost. But performance, as as they, of course, we don't have hands-on yet, as, as they're advertising it, is better. But it's not like, double the performance it's it's apparently much much greater efficiency uh, battery life was something they talked about they talked about improvements of up to 20 percent, but that was in a ray tracing situation using dlss in its performance mode so we a lot of the stuff is interesting we have to wait till we have hardware in hand but it's the the big takeaways were new max q requires new hardware so you got to buy a new laptop that actually has the new uh dynamic boost and then the the desktop GPUs, the 2070 and 2080 super hitting the mobile market 
And we're talking like with the exception of the 2080 Super, which doesn't quite have the memory speed. So the bandwidth is lower. It's only 448 gigabytes per second because it's uh, 14 gigabit memory instead of 15. But everything else other than the clocks is pretty much the same. And these can be configured differently. These are like 80 to 150 plus watt TDP range for the 2080 Super. And the 2070 Super is in the 80 to 115 watt GPU power range. So we'll see these implemented in some some big monstrous gaming machines. And we'll see them implemented in like the really thin Max-Q designs. And the clock speeds have a huge variance. So like boosts go anywhere from 1080 megahertz to 1560 depending on how it's configured for example with the 2080 super so uh you know just kind of expected trickle down from desktop for mobile i don't know if you guys had any thoughts about this or it seems like it kind of took a while we've been on the 2070 and 2080 in laptop for quite some time oh and last thing 2060 doesn't change there's no 2060 super at least not yet so the 2060, their their news there was that that was going to hit the 999 laptop segment. So that's what they're doing instead of releasing a new product. So there, there was a number of machines from various vendors. Uh, apparently starting the week of April 15 is what they're saying. I don't know about real availability yet, but more coming in May. And machines from like Acer, Asus, Clevo, Dell, Gigabyte, HP, Lenovo, MSI, and Razer. And machines with RTX 2060 starting at 999. Yeah, I mean Nvidia has done a really good job with their branding as they you know normally do and, and their their studio creator stuff and uh you know seeing these go they've generally just had much better adoption of their products across manufacturers. So yeah, you'll, you'll be seeing these in lots of different uh notebooks. Yep, until well, for the foreseeable future, because there is nothing to compete with these on AMD's mobile offering currently. Yeah, they had that one picture, uh, where was it here, showing performance, and one of their comparisons was the MacBook Pro 16, uh, which, as we know, yeah. is their Navi mobile GPU, the 5500M, I believe. So that's an interesting comparison to have there. 5500 seems a little down market for that comparison. Uh, it's what was available. Mm. And Apple will okay. still happily yeah. charge right. you $6,000. And shh, we're happy to pay that. Happy. Happy to pay. Yes. Wait, was $6,000 for the two terabyte memory up or storage upgrade? Or is that, I guess they came down. It does. It's matter. more realistic now. <laughs> I know it doesn't matter. What matters is the OS. Which or at a, least it used to. Which, which is, is a trash. piece of crap. Yeah, Catalina yeah, the new is, OS is garbage. Okay, yeah, don't. don't yes. that, don't don't bother with that. Yeah, it's annoying. Yeah, no more thirty-two bit apps. Kind of a killer. Yeah. Well, hey, you know we've talked a lot about processors in this show, uh, and uh, in terms of desktop processors, if you're looking for a new AIO cooler, uh, Fractal, formerly known as Fractal Design, came out with a new line of Celsius Plus liquid coolers. Uh, so what's what's the story here? What's exci- Anything new or exciting about these guys? Yeah, they're well. I I actually review. I had to look back in time when I'd reviewed the Celsius. I did the S twenty four way back in I think twenty sixteen, and it's it was impressive. It was very quiet, good performance, and these 
are, I think, their first major revision in, in now four years. But they've added a 280 model to the mix. It's not just a 240 and a 360 anymore. So 280 millimeters available. But the big thing is it's a total redesign, basically. The, the, the essential materials are the same. It's still a copper cold plate. It's still a, an all-aluminum radiator. But it's a new pump design. It's new fans. They've changed the like the fittings. Everything's different. So mm-hmm. the the by the numbers, it sounds like it'll be a lot better performing, even though they're tuning it for lower noise. And I remember when I reviewed it, there was like a selection ring physically on it where you could go between PWM and like an automatic mode built into it where it had its own logic about how fast the pump should be and the fans and that sort of thing. Cause it's sort of interesting that the way that fractal does it with these, they have a fan hub on the radiator. I think it's situated with this one in between the two uh, fittings for the hoses on the radiator itself. And the the sleeves for the hoses actually conceal the wiring, which is nice. The new one adds, if you get the Prisma version, they add ARGB cables, again, hidden mm-hmm. in the sleeves for the fans. And then there's an ARGB cable for all of them for the, the ARGB ring around the, the radiator. But anyway, useful cooling type stuff. The, the, the pump is a lower speed this time, although it can actually spin up to 3,500 RPM. It's It actually has been reduced from the old range, which was 1950 to 3,150 RPM, way down to 800 to 2,800 RPM. And I've actually, I don't think I've ever used an all-in-one with a pump that was only 800. So it sounds like this will have very, very quiet idle noise from the pump. It only spins up when it has to. And it can move more water apparently so the the actual measurements with the new pump it it draws more power and it can move a little bit more it's 1.46 millimeter how do you pronounce this anybody mm h2o millimeter Uh, something the pressure measurement yeah Yeah, millimeters of water it's a measurement Uh, usually it's millimeters mercury but or or, yeah okay yeah so you're saying it's up from one to 1.46 at 50C. It sucks more. Yeah. There's so a it's more bigger efficient. number. Yep. Yeah. So anyway, check it out. They're they're all new. It, they have a full lineup mm. with or without ARGB fans. And the pricing and seems okay. Five... Yeah, a little, a little bit high. Yeah. But it's going to your like Corsair, for example. It does. Yeah, the five-year warranty is yeah. nice. So the five-year warranty actually does change things a bit because most of them are three, maybe two. Yeah. Yeah, so, I think the you know that does actually yeah. help a bit. Yeah, I, it does long term. I, I struggle a little bit with the fact that to get a two forty millimeter with <laughs> ARGB fans, it's one hundred and fifty bucks. Yeah, and you can get a a Cooler Master two hundred and forty millimeter for eighty bucks with RGB. Mm-hmm. But that thing, I, I have it, and it's not fantastic with a Ryzen three thousand because it it does. It does that, you know, there gets to be hot spots on the Ryzen 3000 and that whole thing just spools up and it's like, thanks. Then it calms down for quite a while, but then just randomly spools up and you look at your computer and you're like, what are you talking about? 
I'd be curious to to test that with a Ryzen three thousand. Yeah, it's it's all in how the fan's profile is set and everything, and I can't stand that either. I don't like it when it's inconsistent. I'd rather it slowly spool up, more graduated steps under load. But we'll have to get one of these in. I know they they offered. It was one of those things where I think availability is kind of the problem, where there probably aren't a lot of launch reviews. I've not actually checked, mm. but the the product will be oh no i didn't post there were four four of them that i saw oh, okay okay i have a i have and a build so, with their previous yeah. s24 uh that i built in 2018 with a 8700k at five gig five gig and it's been running just fine it's very quiet um appreciated and it's it's been really nice i i switched the the older fans out for some uh, thermal take ring fans because I like the way it looked better. I know RGB, leave me alone. Um, but it was, uh, hey, it got PC part picker build of the week once a couple years ago. So there. Um, anyway, it's been running great. You know, if, if they kept up the very same way they built the previous version, the S24, um, you know, I could personally say it ran really well. It's been running really well for a couple of years. Quiet, still running. Keeping an 8700K at 5 gigahertz, just fine. All right. Well, that's the Fractal Celsius Plus, the uh, the new update. So when you're shopping, make sure you look for that Plus if you want the latest model. Uh, a, a positive review from Brett and Sebastian, as he said, he reviewed the original one um, in 2017. It got a silver award. So uh, it's a pretty good there. You can check it out. Uh, pricing starts at $129.99 and goes up to 200 for the top of the line, 360 mil version there uh okay let's talk about uh networking firefox is just giving me all kinds of trouble today. damn it was too fast we're done it's probably jim did you update firefox did you update that's you i'm update? thinking i didn't that's yeah probably you probably oh should have oh my god you're you've been owned oh I my only, god i only load mm. firefox on this system to show the screen capture every week jim Jim, I bet mine is even time. older than yours oh owned. so you're contributing to that story we're going to talk about later then Yes. yes, like it's yes. a problem. Oh, good God, man! It's I'm calls. on 74.0. Yeah, I'm, hang on a second. Adware. All right, let's try to. Read well, as he ad- struggles through his old ancient internets that don't work because, well, I mean, you know, it, it's not like there's tornadoes and lightning bolts everywhere, and the packets are very, very frightened. But uh, yeah, so the. <laughs> You're muted. <laughs> Twenty-five gigabit Ethernet consortium. Just do you know what I was saying? I, I was yelling lightning so. bolt, lightning bolt, lightning bolt. Yes, you were. Freeze. <clears throat> Don't lick the poison knife. So yeah, the so the twenty-five gigabit Ethernet consortium has been around for quite a while because that used to be a pie in the sky sort of uh, goal, and so lately we've been seeing a hundred gigabits as being you know, doable. And in some cases, if you're lucky enough, you can actually play with that sort of crap. But they've moved on and have now uh, put out uh, a very initial white paper about the 800 gigabits specification, which when you think about it for a moment is just absolutely and utterly brilliant. Uh, You're talking ridiculous amounts of available speed, assuming you can convince your ISP to give it to you, which is going to be a completely different discussion. So they have have now renamed themselves the Ethernet Technology Consortium because, well, you can't date yourself too badly. And the actual idea of it looks interesting. So the idea is that you will have uh, two 
sort of teamed 400 gigabits uh, devices, which are, are presenting to the network through a, a singular access device as, as a single 800. Which, which like growing up during dial-up, this is just unbelievable. Like like 56k was just so amazing when it came out, and now we're we're sort of talking about this, and it, it's realistic. Like it is a very initial layout of what this is going to be, but it is good enough to be a specification, is good to be enough to be built on, and so that the major providers are going to be looking at it. And if you have never heard of these guys before, it's it's a team up of. Uh, Cisco, Microsoft, Google—there's, I think, around about forty or forty-five major players involved in doing this because, for they all benefit from a standard to be able to provide internet. If you get a whole bunch of different sort of Ethernet specifications going on, well, it's stretching the metaphor a bit, but you end up with a mess of what the Wi-Fi is going through right now, where you don't know which letter it is that you actually want, nor what it means, nor why there's a LIGO attached to it occasionally. So it is is very exciting. You don't don't expect it to see it anytime soon. I mean, we're finally starting to see 10 gigabit E on motherboards if you're you're willing to pay for it. Although, as I said, you're never going to get it from your residential provider. But for the cloud services, for the guys that you're pulling your gaming streaming down from, the, the YouTubes and Googles of the world, this will let them serve you so much faster. And, you know, honestly, for those that are in a business where they could be interested in this, gives you a damn good reason to start pushing those uh, PCIe 4.0 NVMe SSDs on your boss, because you're bloody well going to need that sort of bandwidth to keep up with this. Anyone got any interest in this? Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, this yeah, more great. bandwidth to my house, please. I, I mean, the and obviously, as Jeremy said, this this is not something you're going to have at home anytime soon. Why? <laughs> Cost, hardware, infrastructure, <laughs> lack of source and destination drives that are fast enough. You name, pick one. But, I mean, oh, I come just, on. North America is full of dark fiber. Yes. On being unused, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah. It's frustrating. Man, I remember when we were um, at the old office before Ryan and all those guys left. And we had just set, set up our new NAS, and we were copying over uh, 13 terabytes worth of stuff. And it was copying over gigabit Ethernet, because that's what we had at the time. That was prior to our 10 gig upgrade. And it took a, it took a long time. And Ryan, or maybe it was Ken, somebody said, God, you know, you know gigabit, gigabit Ethernet used to be amazing. It was like this huge, phenomenal thing. Yeah. This is now the slowest yeah. possible interface in the office. Because at that point, obviously, there was USB 3 and... and Thunderbolt and um, man, oh, you can so. get that on a hundred and twenty dollar motherboard. Yeah, yeah. Was wasn't Giggy introduced two thousand five, two thousand six? Sounds right. Yeah, uh, it sounds yeah, it sounds right. But there we go. And now yeah, I, I we just, haven't done I, much in the last fifteen years. Yeah, and I just put all this Cat six A in the walls. You know, it's obsolete. Well, to be fair, North America hasn't done that much. Rest of the world is in spots or a bit ahead of us. Well, uh, anyway, let's uh, get the news wrapped up here so we don't go too long. And uh, Jeremy, you've got another story for us, as you were alluding to before, about some uh, security problems. Yeah. Um, if you're using the third most popular browser in the world, 
uh, which is a depressing thing to say, and I'll have to talk about it more in a moment. Uh, they did spot some exploits out in the wild. Um, long story short, it's a use after free error. So the second that your memory is freed up, if you've been directed to a, a less than reputable website, they can sort of write stuff to that and your processor will happily run that code afterwards. So all of those fun little browser or er, uh, architectural vulnerabilities on more, more so Intel, but definitely still on AMD. That's going to be a perfect place to slip these in. Uh, when this was announced, they did push up uh, the 74.0.1 on your regular Firefox, or if you're on the uh, extended support because people around you don't like to update their applications, it's 68.6.1. As usual, super quick update and grab it. That didn't give us much information other than it was spotted out in the wild and people were taking advantage of it because, you know, we don't have enough viruses to deal with right at this moment. In general, you know, I mean, an update like this is important, but I've noticed too, there's been a lot of Plex updates, Office updates, uh, Windows Zoom, updates. Zoom updates. Zoom. <laughs> a couple of times a day. For security purposes, by all means. They've but hired that guy from Facebook, so things are going to be oh, fine. Absolutely. Oh, great. Absolutely. <laughs> Facebook chief of security. Yeah, uh, it's going to be fine. Well, yeah, once worked at Cambridge Analytica. But Everything's I, I mean, fine. Or was that the other guy? No, that was another guy. But, uh, another guy. Security updates, by all means, yes. But anything that's not an essential update, don't ship it now. You got, you got people working <laughs> remotely, and they may not be able to get to the server, or to the office, or... Or they are they're working remotely and they've got like call after call and they can't they, they don't have a break to have a downtime, like just back off the updates that aren't essential. It's like just, being a doctor. A First, do no harm. Yeah. So. Oh, mate, my boss is saying this is the perfect time to start redoing all the GPOs. Everyone's remote. If it goes badly, it it becomes a huge problem. No. 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 It is nice to reboot you a Windows have machine. So much spare time. And, not, and not see that like waiting on updates thing. It's odd. Because mm -hmm. they have haven't they frozen most like uh they might there are no have. feature updates being pushed right now. No well, feature, feature updates, updates, but security updates, they've actually increased the number yes. per month. As you will Which know tomorrow, Josh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Josh would know. Well, there's over a dozen of them you got to deal with, aren't there? Um, well, we hope if you're dealing with updates in any capacity, we hope we hope you as the consumer or end user is or that you're doing well and, and surviving it. And if you're in charge of that update release, back up schedule, twice, just, update once. Yeah, think think before you hit that publish button. Oh man, uh, continuing on browsers. Although, also let me let me just. I don't think you specifically said, Jeremy. You just said second most popular browser. Third. Third, Third most popular. Right. Right. But that's Firefox. That's the problem. We're, ta we're talking about Firefox back there. Update your Firefox <laughs> browser. Uh, but yes, Firefox no longer the second most popular browser. Uh, we got a... a Credge. A, a, yeah, reincarnation of uh, failed <laughs> browsers back. Tell us about this, Jeremy. <laughs> yes, the, uh, the new Chromium skin. 
uh, the browser formerly known as Edge, the browser formerly known as Internet Explorer, uh, which we're going to have to figure out a short form for, and I do kind of like Credge, uh, has by just about 0.4%, but still actually did it, pushed into second place for the most used browsers, according to our net market share. Uh, you, you would all know that Chrome is sitting happily at 80-some percent uh, of the usage. But yes, Chromium Edge is now the second most used browser on the planet. And you can't blame the corporations because 9 out of 10 of them are still running the old version because they're still dealing with IE9 compatibility, let alone 11. And so they have not pushed out this newer version of Edge. So this has got to be home use. Like these are got to be the people who got a laptop, used it once in a blue moon until they got locked into their house and actually did good on them, run a few updates because you would have had to update to be able to get the newer edge and have just pushed Firefox down. It's, I, I can't believe I am saying that not only did Microsoft sort of back off on embedding the whole Internet Explorer into the OS at a deep, dark level, but they've adopted Chrome and they're now pushing out Firefox that, that, that pushed them out for so long. I, I really have to ask why still one in every 10 people is using Opera, but I mean, it's it's a personal choice, I guess, and I wish you well. <laughs> well, so isn't this is, I mean, other factors like you said about People get accessing updates and stuff. That aside, but isn't this because I don't have any problem with the new Chrome-based Edge because it's Chrome with Microsoft yeah. built in. But it's just like it's a got testament. A skin. Yeah, it's like it underscores how terrible original Edge was. And I liked its font rendering and it had smooth scrolling, but it didn't. It, it had such a dearth of features at launch. It never really caught up. It was barely compatible yeah. with SharePoint Online. Yeah. Which was brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you remember the phrase embrace and extend? Don't you remember what that means? No. That was Microsoft's adage when they were building com compatible things for a period of time. That was embrace the existing technology, but extend it with Microsoft's special yes. sauce. Ah. Yes. That was their that was their internal uh, mechanic for Embrace the the open source element, but extend it with I things that would only be ever compatible with Microsoft things. So there, uh, and that's what begot you know IE and and Edge and all that, yeah. and that was why you'd end up with your internal you know big company uh, operating system, so to speak, you know cross company operating system would only ever work on IE or Edge. That was the reason behind that. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, resistance is futile. You will be assimilated. Embrace and extend in capital letters. Well, hey, it's it's a this it's a show is brought to you Microsoft. exclusively using our new Silverlight player. Yes. You can download that directly from. <laughs> oh, that's exactly. That's oh exactly. god, I dude, it was so much better than Flash, who... though. Yeah, so well, you've given him a migraine. I'll give you that. He's had an attack. There's an aneurysm going on over there right now. Uh, no, there way. there were people like. <laughs> Some people who don't ever check in with their the computer issues are checking in because of the coronavirus and stuff. Like literally half of them are running Silverlight, 
I'm like, okay, and which service line are you on? Oh, I do the Google account. What? <laughs> I found a 32-bit Windows 7 machine. Thankfully, we, we managed to get him off of it quickly. Well, hey, yeah, Aeroglass. It's, it's stuff Aeroglass coming out. always looked great back then. Oh, yeah, yeah. But most of the Win 7 certified using, systems couldn't run it. No. Are you using how much of my onboard GPU just to show my desktop? Thank you. All of it. And it looks great. I I love the, the transparency of window edges. That was very important. The title bar <laughs> being transparent so I could see a blurry rendition of my background through it. It's vital. Glass. Beautiful design. Dude, I miss that. Miss that more than yeah, you think. So much. <laughs> well, I want to uh, use my 3D accelerator in desktop apps all yep. the time. Keeping it hot. But look what it did to Texas Hold'em. Have you ever seen a more beautiful card game? That was before they charged you for uh, Solitaire? Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's only Coming soon. Ray Trace. Blind <laughs> sweeper. Five bucks a month to, to subscribe to Microsoft Solitaire. But uh, at least it wasn't per play. Uh, don't give me any ideas. Sorry, but, I gotta say. Uh, yeah, so we're gonna uh, before we jump into the reviews, we're gonna take another quick break to thank our second sponsor this week. So we'll be right back. Today's show is sponsored by Text Expander, an incredibly powerful and handy tool for Windows, Mac OS, iOS, and Chrome that can save you hours of time by automating, simplifying, and correcting text input. At a basic level, Text Expander runs in the background and automatically inputs your custom text whenever you type a corresponding abbreviation. For example, you can configure Text Expander with a snippet, as they're called, that contains your full signature, including name, job title, email, and phone number. You then assign that snippet to an abbreviation that's easy to remember but unlikely to be typed otherwise. So in this case, you might use something like ZSIG. SIG for signature and the letter Z in front to prevent an unintentional snippet call. Then from virtually any application that supports text input, just type ZSIG and your full signature will appear. But that's just the tip of the iceberg for Text Expander. You can configure snippets that are hundreds, even thousands of words long if desired. You can add images and formatting that is automatically applied. You can even add automatically calculated variables, such as the current date or time and then input date calculations, such as adding or subtracting dates and times from that current date. For example, let's say you have a small business that sends order updates to customers, noting the date the order was received and the expected ship date, which for your company is generally one week. With Text Expander, your snippets can contain all of the normal text you send to customers, including images, and variables that list the current date as well as the date one week from then. This type of email, which might take an employee three or four minutes to type out normally, can now be automatically generated in one second by typing in the handful of characters you chose as the snippet's abbreviation. Text Expander even allows for more flexibility by allowing snippets to have predefined fill-ins. These can be single or multi-line fields, an optional either-or selection, or a pop-up menu of choices. And if you have trouble thinking of some of your own snippets to create, you can even subscribe to public snippet groups, that focus on auto-correcting common business and product names, fixing contractions and words with accented letters, automatically generating lorem ipsum placeholder text, and cleaning up and properly formatting copied JSON scripts. 
And because Text Expander is available on so many platforms, no matter how you set up your snippets, you can sync and share them with all of your devices and even other Text Expander users. All of these features are great for individual users, but there's also Text Expander for Teams and Enterprise, which not only lets users share their business related snippets, but supports important features such as single sign on, usage statistics, and user and group permissions, allowing businesses to decide who can use and edit their shared snippets. At a basic level, the way Text Expander works seems so simple, but when you start to use it and see how flexible and customizable it is, you quickly realize how incredibly powerful it can be. Even if you end up using only short snippets, if it saves you a few seconds on each action that you perform dozens or hundreds of times per day, then you're looking at major time savings over the long run. There's so much Text Expander can do. If you'd like to see more examples of how it all works and get some ideas for your own snippets, head over to TextExpander.com videos, where they have some great video tutorials. And also check out TextExpander.com webinar for interesting webinars and improving your productivity. I've used TextExpander for years, and I really think that once you try it out, you're going to be hooked. You can check out a free 30-day trial, and once you're ready to buy, be sure to get 20% off your first year by heading to TextExpander.com podcast and choosing PC Perspective from the Where Did You Hear About Us drop-down menu. Again, that's 20% off your first year at TextExpander.com podcast and choosing PC Perspective from the drop-down menu. Thanks so much to Text Expander for supporting the PC Perspective podcast. All right, we're back and uh, let's jump into the reviews. We've got two reviews this week, both from Corsair and I believe both written by Sebastian. So uh, take it away. We'll start with the uh, the mouse. The mouse is really nice. It's the new Corsair, was it Dark Core RGB Pro? And I actually had the Dark Core RGB Pro SE model. And just as with the last generation, if you keep up on these things, the dark core RGB and RGB SE or the last gen missing the word pro there. And the SE version has integrated Qi wireless charging. So again, the one that I had does, and they actually sent along their MM 1000 mat for me to test this with, but this is a really, really nice mouse. But of course, that's a very personal thing. Like it, this is a bigger mouse. It's also rather heavy. Uh, the the weights, if you don't add the optional uh, grip to the right side, that sort of makes it a symmetrical, like double wing style base. It's 133 grams, I think, somewhere in there. Quite heavy. I mean, I, I had to check the mouse I've been using on the regular basis is a Logitech mouse that weighs actually 97 grams, not including the cable. This is, of course, a wireless mouse, but it's a multi-connectivity mouse, like the last generation. So it's uh, their slipstream wireless. So it's a very, very low latency wireless connection, like sub one millisecond wireless with a dongle. Or you can do Bluetooth 4.2 LE, or you can do USB. And when you have it plugged in with USB, it also charges the mouse. So even if you don't get the wireless charging version, uh, the one that's $10 less, it charges just fine while you're using it plugged in. And they, they've moved to a USB-C connector on this as well. So you have a little bit more flexibility with charging it with like your phone charger or something else that you may have handy. But it it's, uh, as far as I'm concerned, a very, very comfortable mouse and one that I did actually have to adjust my style a little bit. 
gripping it and using it because I'm a fingertip mouse user, which I could demonstrate. I mean, typically I use a mouse like this. This is actually a HyperX mouse I've had for a while. You're you're not a palmer. That's not how you should use a mouse. No, no, no. Yeah. I don't use... Okay, this, is, this would be kind of a palm. You're holding it wrong. You're holding it wrong. Listen to me. Listen. So do, do, you, do, you, do, you, do you use lotion before you palm that mouse that way? I don't like to use lotion do you do on dry? my palms. No, I, I do it dry. So just dry. You have unsightly oil marks on the surface. Right. And now no, I got to get the stop friction. I got to get the stop <laughs> watch out and make sure that. we were 90 seconds away from that ad. <laughs> just Thanks, add Josh. some filler music jim yeah just after the ad ends <laughs> play filler. the or josh tech video um so anyway most uh, a palm grip i assume you know this is this is my version of a palm grip my palm is actually resting on the top of the mouse i don't grip a mouse that way i actually use a mouse kind of like this so my fingers float over the top of it, and I literally move it around with my little finger and thumb on the mouse pad. So it's it's I that's just what I've come up with over the years. So with this mouse, because it's it's larger, I ended up feeling kind of the base of my hand resting against the mouse, and I had to use a little bit more pressure to move it around because it was heavier. And I tried it with the optional right wing, like the added grip you can switch out uh, on the right side of the mouse, and it, it makes it feel extremely wide, but very stable. Like the sort of awkward way that I move a mouse around can sometimes tip it slightly. And this thing was not moving at all. But all of these initial impressions came using my old cloth mat. I have a steel series mat, one of those like very common uh, woven fabric mats. So then I got out the MM1000 that they sent along. I don't typically use a hard mouse surface. So... You don't have to spend $80 on a mat with wireless charging like this one, but just moving the the mouse from my cloth mat to this mat was like a, a, a revelation. It was so easy to move around the surface, which is such a low friction surface. It was like gliding around on ice. So at oh, that Lord, point, it sounds like it sounds like when, when rat pads first came out and you got that and, it was such hard plastic, and mm. you could literally just barely push your mouse with one finger and go across the entire thing, and it was it was beautiful as compared to the old cloth mount. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. Weeds or yeah. the Ripper no, XXL that you've never opened. Can we have a never. Ripper XXL versus MM One Thousand comparison? That would be enlightening, epic. Yes, but. Yeah, I'm. I like I said in the review, I'm probably the last person on earth who's figured out that the hard mouse surfaces are like really great for these high performance mice because there's like there's no friction moving them around. But this is where I think the weight was a a huge benefit because you take a lightweight mouse, and I know ultralight mice are a popular category, and I've seen I think they're up they're sub fifty grams for some of these, and I know Cooler Master I think has one where they've kind of hollowed it out. There's like big holes through it anywhere. They don't absolutely have to have material. It's just gone as like a sensor and a frame. But this is the opposite side of that. So if you like a larger, heavier mouse, then this is great. But if you move it to a surface like that MM1000 mat, 
suddenly it moved around so easily that I could go back to my ridiculous, barely touching the mouse fingertip grip and move it around just fine. Uh, And then the body of the mouse itself is covered with a really grippy rubber like surface with the exception of the buttons, which are a matte finished plastic. The only shiny plastic on this is a trim panel or like kind of surrounding the the thumb or the, the scroll wheel and then down at the base and any, yeah, any shiny area is going to pick up prints, but for the most part, the mouse actually does not. And this is, a, of course, a Corsair product, uses IQ software, and that works fine. I mean, we've talked about IQ with a number of products, including the other thing that I reviewed in the last week. And it's very easy to use, and you can adjust just about everything on this. This has nine lighting zones. You can You can get down to, like, the little... Uh, accent ring on the side of it below the left and right like or the the left uh, side mouse buttons there's like four zones just on that so you can get really into matching colors or color schemes or whatever you want with this thing or just turn all the lights off or do what I ended up doing which was just make a sort of a faint bluish white glow and I had just one color going but battery life is something I didn't get into because I I have I have not tried to validate their claims on battery life testing. It seemed to be accurate. It can go up to 50 hours on a charge. If you have the lights off, I think they say like 16 hours with lights. Typically that's like a 50% brightness thing. And it depends on how you have it connected. And I barely used Bluetooth. I used Bluetooth enough to make sure that it worked, but I far prefer to use the the wireless dongle with anything that offers it because it's lower latency. But very impressed with the mouse. The pricing on it, $79.99 for the version without wireless charging. And then $10 more, $89.99 for the version with wireless charging integrated into it. And that I, I know uh, Chris did our last review, actually at the end of 2018 for the original version of this. And he thought the pricing was a little high. I have a different perspective on it, I guess, which is, a lot of the mice, at least that make their way to me, are in the $69 and up range. So to see a mouse like this, I didn't even get into the sensor and the polling rate and stuff. There, there's technical stuff about this mouse that's very impressive. I don't know. You know, I, I will never make use of it. This has an 18,000 DPI native sensor in it. It's a new custom sensor they developed with PixArt. And it's not anything else. It also has a... 2000 hertz polling rate you can have it set to its default 1000 or you can turn it you can toggle it to 2000 using the software once you have toggled it it actually remembers there's multiple profiles built into the mouse so whether you're using the software or not anywhere you take the mouse suddenly it's now 2000 hertz am i going to notice a difference in polling rates using my you know usual setup probably not I also live in like the 65-ish, 100 DPI range is my version of a high DPI setting on a mouse because anything else, and it's kind of crazy. I don't have the skills to basically have my cursor fly from one side of the screen to the other with a minute motion and then immediately switch to like the sniper mode to like zero in on a target. But for those who do, this has, I don't know of any sensor out there that's this high. There's a lot of 16,000 stuff out there in PixArt's 3000 series, but this one is ridiculously high. It's a 3392 sensor, I think, which they developed with PixArt. 
And then that polling rate is very high. I've I've heard of gaming keyboards with the faster polling rate, but I have not seen a mouse yet. At least I haven't personally used a mouse yet with a really high polling rate. But anyway, it's it's expensive, but not the most expensive mouse I've ever seen. And for a eight programmable button mouse with specs like these, uh, it seems fair. But that's that's up to you. Just as the size and weight of this is going to be a very personal thing. And I'll let Jim, I'll you, Jim, you can transition. You do it better than I do. Well, thank you. Uh, that's the, uh, the Corsair dark core RGB pro. Uh, and we, we, as Sebastian said, there were two models. We reviewed the one that's $10 more with wireless charging editor's choice from Sebastian. And of course, in keeping with our review disclosure policy, I'll, I'll state just for the people who don't read the website, uh, Corsair is an advertiser. They buy display ads at PC per they've done so for a long time. Uh, but this is, we don't do sponsored reviews of them. This review, of course, was not sponsored. They provided the product on loan to Sebastian, and there was no exchanging of money or uh, review of the material or approval of publication or anything like that. And that will also apply to the next Corsair thing we're about to talk about. Indeed. And that, Hey, you know how we talked about all-in-one liquid coolers earlier? We did. That new one from... Other companies have released them recently, including Corsair. This actually was something that was announced, I think, back at CES. I was probably sitting on this review sample for a while, and every once in a while, you know, your contact will nudge you and say, hey, what's the status of this? And I'm like, what's the status of the H100? What? The IQ? Maybe I have it. I found it in my attic. So somehow it worked its way slowly from my dining room to the attic stairs where I admit I stage things on the attic stairs and then uh, all the way up into the attic proper. So, you know, I grabbed it, reviewed it. It's the new IQ H100i RGB Pro XT 240 millimeter all-in-one liquid CPU cooler review. Wow. And uh, this thing has... RGB lighting effects, obviously. The last generation did as well, which I discovered, to my surprise, I had also reviewed back in the day. This is the XT version. There's no RGB fans or anything on this one. It just has like a a lighting ring around it that you can customize or turn off or do whatever you want with. But ultimately, this is the just the latest iteration of that now sort of classic H100 liquid cooler, which it's been almost a decade since the H100 launched. I remember, I think Ryan's review of it was back in like 2012. But that was kind of like the the legitimate arrival of all-in-one liquid coolers is something that they weren't going to supplant custom liquid cooling, but it was a very high performance option that was as good as anything for, in the air category you were probably getting at that point. And then of course there was like the, the giants, like the Noctua NHD14 that came out around the same time the thermal right silver arrow. But just comparing this from the last generation to this generation, I did not have one of the H100s from the last generation. I think I have it here somewhere, but I didn't have it to hand. And I had been using the 280 millimeter variant from the previous generation. So I ended up comparing the the new H100 uh, XT from this review to the last generation 280 millimeter model thinking, you know, they, this family they say has their highest performance yet. So for instance, their, I think their largest version, the 360 millimeter 
they say is their best performing all-in-one that they've ever made. So there are some improvements uh, to the pump, which is quieter now, by the way. And just in testing, if you look at the thermal results in my review, it came really close. If you have them both at, both at their extreme cooling profile in the IQ software, the H115, which is the larger one, the 280 millimeter, RGB platinum was only, it was less than a degree and a half better. It was 67.5 degrees under load. This is with the i7, or I I wrote i7 there, it's an i9, 9900KS. That's the five gigahertz pre-overclocked 9900K. It pulls a lot of power from the wall, 289 watts from the wall on a CPU load with like Cinebench all-core, for example. And I, I was running Blender. I was getting kind of inconsistent results because a processor like this, it runs Cinebench all-core so fast, you can't, you have to run it so many times to try to average it out. So I did a Blender cra- classroom uh, render, which took about eight minutes on this CPU and then recorded the the load temps from that. And the this new cooler, the Pro XT, even a 240 millimeter cooler was 68.9 Delta, which for this CPU is actually great. And just comparing it to a large air cooler, the Dark Rock Pro 4, same circumstances, same uh, CPU. And it was 72.4 Delta. So it about uh, three and a half degrees cooler than the Dark, Dark Rock Pro 4. It was louder. The Dark Rock Pro 4 does have the advantage of being one of the quietest coolers I've ever tested. But it was quieter than, say, a Noctua NHD14 PWM variant, which with this kind of load is spinning at like 100%. So it it's interesting to look at the difference in performance when you go into the different modes, like balanced, quiet. The one bad thing about this was, at least for this CPU, which is kind of obvious, you would not pair a 9900KS with this smallest of Corsair's all-in-one liquid coolers at its quiet mode. The fans are so... The RPMs of the fans are so low at that point. It defaults to, I think, only 300 RPM idle. And then it moves very gradually up. So it kind of overtakes the the capacity of the, the loop very quickly just because it's the pump... Is spinning at a very low RPM as well. It's like 1900, I think. And it jumps up. It went to like 2250 in the balance mode and then up to, I want to say the 2600s or something like that in the extreme mode. But the fan profile was radically different, even just moving up to balance. I felt like balanced, shockingly, had the best mix of performance and noise. So they, they tuned it well. I would just caution against using the quiet profile unless you have a lower power CPU like a 3700X or something like that, where you're just going for low noise. And the I will say the pump noise from this was very, very low. When I was doing noise readings, I have this uh, sound pressure meter only 12 inches away from, uh, well, I, I actually measured 12 inches from a space between the pump and the fans to try to get an accurate. Uh, so you added an extra inch or two. Yeah, I mean, it's somewhere in there. It's it's inexact science. We're within the 12 to 14 inch range. But in the quiet mode, it was the noise of the pump was the only noise you could hear. It was 32.3 decibels is what I got. 
granted, I don't have the world's most expensive uh, device. This is not some multi-thousand dollar calibrated instrument. It's like a hundred dollar uh, SPL meter, but 32.3, which did not change under load because that was, I mean, the fans were below 30 decibels at this point. And then moving it up to even the extreme mode, that was, where was it? Like it was under 38 decibels under full load and 33.8 at idle. So it's still very quiet. Like the the, the Hyper 212 RGB Black Edition, which is a lot quieter than the original Hyper 212. That's ultra popular, obviously cooler. That lives in the, around the 45 dBA range, just to give people an idea. Because a lot of people have either used one of these or built a system with one. That's not a very loud cooler. And even that 45 decibel noise under full load, it's not obnoxious. It's just kind of air noise. There's no whine to it. And this is significantly quieter than that. So the, the of course the the exception to the the larger air coolers being a better option for noise is unfortunately Corsair's own the A500 is the loudest air cooler I've ever tested and of course that isn't saying much because I haven't been doing this that long back in the day you get yourself one of those giant thermal take coolers for your Athlon and overclock it and you've probably got like 60 dBs or more coming from your system but they did. Basically, with this launch, I think that they have sort of brought all-in-one liquid cooling back to that like premium. Like if you're if you're looking at a high-end CPU, I f- I have had the feeling anyway for the last few years that large tower air coolers had kind of supplanted liquid coolers, unless you were willing to spend a lot more or had the room for a very large one. Where a 240 millimeter all-in-one liquid cooler just it didn't have enough of a performance advantage to justify the expense over something like a $79 or $89 tower cooler. I don't know how you guys feel about it. Like Josh, you had a great deal on that Cooler Master 240 unit, right? Like $80 or mm-hmm. so. Yeah. But those probably don't outperform like the Dark Rock Pro 4, I don't think. It really oh, depends on no. your circumstances, but it's just it's nice to see a liquid cooler actually providing better performance than you can get with a large air cooler is what I'm trying to say. So yeah. they've, and it they would, can, you know, it, <clears throat> it something to, to possibly do next time you do one of these is, is try a Ryzen 3000 because again, they, you know, I've, I've worked on adjusting the fan profiles in the motherboard and the software to get it. So it's lower, but again, those, those hot spots get up there and it ramps up the fan and so if you get the average Ryzen used, and I'm like, yeah, I hear my fan going up and down all the time. And so it would be really interesting to see a, a variety of coolers that you could test on a 3600X or a 3800X or a 3900X and see how those actually react in terms of, you know, audible content. Because you, you've got a an amount of thermal density of cooling in these things that should be able to handle these hotspots where it'll do it good enough that the motherboard won't react to it, but it's going to be really interesting to see. So if there was one thing that annoyed me of the Ryzen 3000 series, it is the fan that, that comes with them. And even the Wraith, um, you know, it's, it's a pretty good air cooler, but you get this, you know, in, in, in. when when you're just doing desktop stuff, it's really bizarre. And so, yeah. So, 
submitted for yeah, your approval. Thank you. I will say my tip for anyone using the stock cooler, just set it to 100% full time. You'll get used to the noise. It'll just become part of the background. And then you don't have to listen to that annoying. <clears throat> you know, those, those up and cheap down and up orange earplugs are really inexpensive, but your cooling is going to be awesome. And they work. That stock cooler is not that loud at 100%. But, you know, I have zero complaints about this at all. The only issue I had was that that quiet profile. I think if they were to tune the fan profile, I think by default to be a little bit more aggressive under load, it would offer a lot better performance. But that delta temp, the only reason I knocked it down to a gold, because I think this is a good value for what it is, is... uh, Mainly because that 82.4 Delta was actually like the thermal limit of the CPU. It was, it was 9,900 yeah. degrees under load. But I it's mean, a very it's tough CPU. It's significantly cheaper than, than the Fractal we were talking about before. And it also has a five-year warranty. Interesting. I actually forgot about the warranty length on this because I'm, I'm so used yeah. to this. No, the, I just checked year, because year, it mentioned year. it earlier. And yeah. Interesting. So nice. that does... Hey. Yeah, a little more compelling. Years. So yeah, the eight. The, this is the IQ H100i RGB Pro XT. So like with their keyboard, when they upgraded their K95 keyboard recently, that that was the XT. So that seems to be their new branding for the next gen stuff that they come out with. And for audio listeners, I with Corsair IQ is uh, I C U. Oh, not I. Yes, yeah. Sorry. Not IQ, IQ. All right, so uh, well, well check done, that. Josh. Well done. And you'd know what I was talking about if you watched us live. I I don't know what you're talking about, and I'm participating live. Gold, Jerry. It's gold. Oh, Seinfeld. <laughs> Not exactly. Gold, Jerry. It's gold. Different, Jerry. Okay. Well, uh, I mean. God, Jerry. Somebody's got to understand the references. And three, three out of five. Yeah, understand the young kids. That's a majority. God. Damn. Okay. Well. All right. So thanks, uh, Sebastian, for those two reviews, and you can find the yeah, no reviews at pcper.com. All right. So let's get our picks of the week done. Uh, I'll start off first. Um, uh, continuing on from what I mentioned a couple weeks ago about trying trying to support your local businesses and small businesses in your area during this, uh, these tough economic times, uh, something to look out for that they've done here in Cincinnati. And I'm sure is being done elsewhere is they've recommended, uh, gift cards. So you can't go to a certain restaurant or shop, but go and they, a lot of them are offering gift cards. So you give, they can get some cash flow now to keep paying their rent and stuff. And then obviously once this is over, hopefully you can go and use them now, People have argued the stores, they might go under depending on how long this lasts. And that's, that's certainly a, uh, a concern, but, uh, you know, we all got to do what we got to do to, to help each other during this time. And in Cincinnati, uh, the one thing that they, uh, they did here is the local business, uh, one of the local business consortiums, uh, uh, did a program where they offered to, uh, match any gift card at, at a select retailer. So if you bought a gift card, for $25, they'd send you an additional $25 gift card. And it was a very successful program. They actually ran out of the uh, allocated funds like within hours, uh, but they're, they're looking to replenish it. Uh, so check for something like this in your area. And, uh, and again, check, check for 
any way you can help if you can, because like I said, some, obviously some people have lost their jobs. They don't have income coming in. Uh, you know, there's no expectation for you there, but if you're able, uh, please do. And, and as one commenter pointed out, as I said on the last show, uh, he said, wait a minute. So what I'm hearing is I can sit in my pajamas and order a pizza and I'm doing good for the community. And I said, yes, yes, you are. So finally. Yeah. Yes. All right. But uh, next up, Jeremy, you've got uh, something for us. Yay. Well, honestly, it is a pick of desperation. But then I realized, hey, I don't have this and I should buy it. And there's an extra $10 off the second you buy an Origin game on uh, Epic. You know, that thing that I told you you shouldn't get because we don't need more gaming platforms, but yet keeps getting, you know, decent initial releases. Well, Max Pro Exodus that, is a little give bit old. Three games away every week. Constantly. And they're good games. Yes. Uh, those bastards giving free things away. So I I played one of the Metro uh, games. I never I think I own the second one. I've never actually played it. But Metro Exodus gets a lot better reviews because it's it's a little bit more of a playground and it's. I mean, I don't want to say they put more effort into it in the previous games, just that from the reviews and what I've been hearing talked about, they, they were more successful with the, the sort of feeling of this game. And so, yeah, right now, even the, the gold one is about uh, 22 bucks, and you, there's a $10 gift card on the first one that you buy on the Epic Store right now. They're having a, a sale. And so I think it's it was... Yeah, sorry, the gold was uh, 29 Yeah, but there's a $10 off immediately, so it, it's 20 bucks. You got another eight days to grab it, so don't worry that you had to be watching it tonight to get it. And if you don't want the gold, well, 20 bucks for the other one with an instant $10 off isn't too bad either. All right, great. So that's uh, Metro Exodus on sale at the Epic Games Store. It's like Drawful or something else right there's now. There's no shame in keeping your games library flush with games that you have just yet to get to. That's okay. Yep. Honestly, yeah, yeah, that's, sure that everybody's that's okay it. With that. just, this is I realize you were alluding to that. My life for the last four weeks, I bought Skyrim in 2011, and only I've seen three you weeks it. ago did I start playing it. And? and? It's, it's great. I'm enjoying it. There you go. Yeah. I want to get off this podcast okay. so we can play more and drink beer. All right. Well, then, Josh, you tell us your pick for this week. What is my is pick? It Skyrim? Chairwheels? Is it beer? Not Skyrim? Skyrim. Yeah, Sky no, chairs? my wife, uh, if, if you look back here, you'll see the chair that is by itself in the corner. And Number three? it seems that my wife uh, sat down rather hard on this chair, which... Otherwise, you know, the build quality is pretty good, but the wheel quality is is not great. And she broke a wheel off of it, and of course it tilted rather dramatically, and there was much screaming and yelling and hysterics. Um, And mainly for me, uh, because, you know, I don't want her getting hurt because we have high deductibles. But anyway, uh, yeah, these these wheels are, are a lot more solid, smoother flowing... I mean, it's 30 bucks. Well, okay, currently unavailable, but it was available, and it's being shipped to me. But yeah, like you a roller wheel. of the wheels? Roller wheel. Rollerblade? Rollerblade wheels. Yeah. yeah. 
Hey, those are some uh, of the hardest they, core they wheels better, I've ever they, seen. They rotate faster. They're smoother. They're larger. They don't collect hair nearly as much as the standard wheels that a lot of the uh, you know less expensive gaming chairs and other chairs have. So it's it's a nice upgrade. It really is. And unfortunately, apparently, a couple of other people thought the same thing and bought them all up in this time of need. They're they're amazing. I can say firsthand, they it, you glide around. Doesn't matter if it's carpet or hardwood flooring, and they're they're not like a hard plastic, right? Like they're well, you don't you don't have them yet, but it's a almost like a hard. No, it's gel. like rollerblade wheels. So I mean, get, I, it's that, yeah, it's you that, get it's that hard rubber on the floor. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and they're the app literally says, zoom, 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 make your chair go vroom, vroom with these super slick and super cool rollerblade style casters. So, Unfortunately for me, my son decided my chair was the coolest toy in the house. So then he was flinging himself across the room with it. He was going through the whole downstairs of our house in the chair. Ended up having an issue with the chair one day because he loved being in it so much. He had an accident in the chair, and I had to throw the chair away. I saved the wheels. I have yet to replace the chair. So now I have these beautiful wheels just sitting here. Josh, if I had known, I could have donated them to you. You could have, but, but you know, it's fine. I'll, I'll, do, I'll take the $27 hit because your shipping it would have been at least half that. Or more, yeah. If I'd done like yeah. UPS, it'd been about 20 bucks. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay, uh, so Sebastian didn't have a pick this week because he's difficult. Because I'm lame. Yeah. No. And Firefox has continued to to crash on me here, so I'm switched to Classic Edge where I can show Brett's oh, pick. Oh God. So tell hey, us. Hey, um, so if you don't have a water jet in, in your garage and you and you don't have a CNC or anything like that, or you aren't you know fully equipped with high intensity lasers in your basement, you can send your um, your needs over to these guys and they will cut your design out of metal um, and intricate stuff. They'll cut it out of brass. They'll cut it out of uh, stainless steel. They'll cut it out of aluminum. They'll cut it out of uh, different uh, kinds of iron. Is, uh, is, is, is their catchphrase, I'll cut you? <laughs> you know, it should be. And maybe it we really should write should. that down and send it over because you know, when you can't do this stuff at home, you should be able to exchange money to have someone else do it. You know what I mean? So I had a companion to this and it just to bring it back around to, you know, the PC space, which was what would you maybe want to be able to build out of this? One of my other favorite places to go for just cool things that I also want to put in my to build library someday is Instructables. So this guy built this, had this frame, uh, and the design for it is in here, EPS files, I believe, or, or, IA, uh, or AI files is in here, to build a portable ITX uh, frame uh, and have the, uh, the send, cut, send uh, guys uh, build it out. And it is a cool, portable uh, ITX, open air, not a touch, test bench um, frame, uh, but it's... Uh, you know, wanna, it's it's one of those new sort of uh, everybody's doing it kind of thing. That's uh, like with Maury style cooler. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would. I, I'm not sure that you could get an AIO type thing on this. Maybe if you put the 
the radiator on the back side. But the, of course, the frame comes back uh, flat and open, so you can drill and tap any uh, any holes anywhere you want for anything that you want. This guy in particular uh, made a mounting bracket for the SSD and a 3D printer, but um, SSD brackets are, you know, a dime a dozen. You, know, you can just buy those off of eBay or get them from Fantex or, you know, whoever, and you can just mount that to the backside edge. But I thought it was cool. So I got this uh, on my Instructable and I went, wow, that's pretty neat. And then I traced back, where did he get that, um, that piece of aluminum made? And that's when I came up with the uh, send, cut, send guys. So that's my suggestion to go check out when you don't have a uh, water jet in your garage or, like I said, high intensity lasers or a CNC. Get it done. And can you cut me something to sit between that giant Noctua heat sink and the graphics card so I can actually cool the oh back? Oh my of the gosh. Car? If you can make it in, 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 because uh, <laughs> like, you can have you've it got that much space. Why the hell not? Yeah. Why? Yeah. Yeah. Have it made out of aluminum or arrows. It, actually, these guys will actually, um, cut aerospace. I believe they legitimately say, uh, in that, that send cut send, uh, well, carbon fiber is an insulator, isn't it? Well, uh, it's aer- aerospace quality, uh, aluminum. Uh, if I, uh, pronounce it in the, uh, the English, thank you. Uh, spec. Yep. Uh, f- yeah, where, where uh, there it is. Aluminum aerospace. I'm I, not sure I could hit the quite right. Johnny Ive aspect of this. Precipitation aluminum. Uh, yeah, but they'll cut it. Um, with whatever it is that Cold they do with their uh, magic steel, or they hot have hot, hot rolled hot rolled steel. That core ten weathered look Pickled for that um, and oil. Well, that's that's yeah. set send cut send, and uh, we'll have links to that and all the other picks of the week, as long as any other references and stories that we mentioned today. We'll have those all in the show notes at pcper.com slash podcasts. Uh, so. With that, folks, we're gonna we're gonna sign off today. Uh, thank you all so much for joining us. Uh, it is hot in here with that air conditioner not working. It's about eighty-seven degrees right now, and I am I'm a large man, so I already have plenty of natural insulation, and I'm. But you're uh, not disgusting. Uh, no, you're no, not. I am. You're not is, is there also a we're hot gonna... laptop on your legs right now, Jim? That, no, there's that's not. not but there's a, a an RTX card in this workstation here that's rendering all these videos i'm recording so you should be you should be having that free air jim that should all be just free air no case just just be open air uh, oh maybe hung out the window in the rain yep. so i gotta get i gotta get sebastian to send me that uh 3970 so i can yeah it's pretty much ready to go right here i'll just put it in the motherboard box and just put a sticker on the outside of it i'm sure that'll be fine just fine and you'll get Attach it eventually those wheels to it and push it away yeah, fourth class mail, if that still exists. But uh, thanks, everyone. We appreciate you joining us live here. Um, oh, I, I did want to mention we got a Patreon donation over the week. Oh, here. I think it was oh, on Friday. Yay. And it's from uh, his his name is a string of about 50 digits. So I. <laughs> so you got it in Bitcoin? Yeah, so I'm not. I don't think I can read that. But his message was um, actually that's the wrong email. Where's his message? Whoops! It says, "Rest in peace, Ryan. Rest in peace, Alan. Josh, please keep bringing the awesome." And this is where I get confused. Jim, please keep knocking up that cat. 
Mm. I don't get it. Josh, I think, gets it. I don't know what that means. That's good, though. But thank you. Yes, thank you for joining Patreon and supporting us, and thanks to all of our Patreon folks. And as I said in the last episode, too, I understand if you're facing a tough time financially and you got to stop, I've received – I really appreciate it, but it's not necessary. I've received a couple emails of people saying that they were sorry they had to stop, but totally understand, obviously, in the scheme of things, we are nothing. Uh, and all we hope is to provide you a little bit of entertainment and knowledge each week. So glad you could join us. Please continue to stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll see you next week. Bye.